This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Max Holloway remains your featherweight champion with a dominant win over Brian Ortega. UFC 233 goes the way of UFC 151 and UFC 176 gets cancelled and will be a footnote in the annals of time. The UFC holds their last ever Fox card this weekend, headlined by a rematch between Kevin Lee and Ally Akinta. Dana White goes off on Oscar De La Hoya again. We are joined this week by UFC on Fox competitors Kevin Lee, Andrea Lee, and Dan the Hangman Hooker. And big news on our front, the UFC extends its partnership with TSN on a multi-year deal. So uh, thanks for everybody for their support for this particular show, for our coverage, and everything that we've done. It's been a, a big factor in us uh, getting that partnership with the UFC extended and we really appreciate your patronage. And thanks to those listening to this show on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe. Joe, you're back. Yeah, it's good I'm to back. have you. Yes. Jeez, man, it seems like forever I've been here. But, uh, yeah, things have been good. My, uh, I had my uh, one of my main MMA fighters win his debut, which I'm happy about. Well, who was that? Uh, Matt Special. Okay. Um, so he was in the BTC show, and he won his debut first round. Uh, TKO finish. So nice. we're happy about that. Then from there, I went to the UFC Performance Institute, which was, um, I called the playground. Like, I mean, I was just like a, a kid in a candy store there. I was literally smiling the whole time from, <laughs> you have, you know, Russian scientists from like ex-Olympian, you know, performance therapists and, you know, physiotherapy and massage to cryo to cold, hot tub, saunas, the top in strength and conditioning, like VO2 max testing, bio scans, like just everything I'm into. Um, yeah, so you were ahead of the curve with all this stuff, and now this stuff is out there. Yeah, and it's like, like I wow. mean, it was weird because when I started, everyone was like, "You're doing such weird things. No one's really doing the, you know, following energy systems and knowing their VO2 max and all of this stuff." But I just loved it. You know, that's what um, I mean. When I started university with health and phys ed, and that's what I learned from first year university. So when I applied it to my training, people thought I was crazy. I still get messages that people think I'm crazy that you shouldn't run 10K every day. I think it's ridiculous to run 10K if you're fighting, for example, for nine minutes or 15 minutes. So, um, yeah. You've said it's ridiculous? Yeah, I think it's it's like... Well, it's bad for your knees. Well, bad for your knees. And you're at a steady state, right? When you run 10K, you're spending, you know, a good... I don't even know how long 10K takes to run. Yeah. An hour of your day at a slow, steady pace. You don't fight like that. You fight in bursts of energy. That's true, yeah. You know, Ebbs you fight flows. in the anaerobic system. And, you know, everything is about like, creating lactic acid. That's why intervals, sprints, to batter rounds, those are the types of rounds that help your conditioning in a fight, not these long, steady pace um, types of training. So it's all about science, energy systems. But it was really a, a nice to see and seeing all the fighters and what they got offered, man. I got like, you get to see like, you know, Evan Dunham doing his therapy, Michael Johnson. I got to meet, you know, Joseph Benavidez, Forrest Griffin, all like big guys in the sport and just having conversations with them and having a whole bunch of passionate, like-minded people in one building. It was like, it was amazing. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm definitely hooked there. Do any of them love glory? They all know glory, yeah. which was crazy. I mean, they all know, they all talked about it, they all complimented, you know, my, my performances and my fights. So, I mean, it's just nice to see that, um, you know, we're a, at the end of the day, we're a bunch of colleagues together. And it was nice. I got to meet and spar with some of the guys, with Sean Strickland. I got to work with a little bit out yeah, there. Tall guy. Yeah, and I just got to see the, the even Claudia Gadalia training. I got to see Shevchenko doing sparring rounds with one of my friends. So just to see, you know, these guys training and working, and it was just a, a, an overall amazing experience. You plan on going back sometime soon? I would love to. I would love to. I mean, I, I was even pitching them to give me a job there. Because literally you come in and the fighter gets like a, a timetable given to them. They can go, okay, you're going to nutrition. Then 
you're going to see, you know, VO2 max. And then you're going to go into your weight um, scans. You're going to go to see strength and conditioning, mobility, rehab. So they schedule it. But the problem is these fighters come and they have no training. They don't come with their coaching. They want to work their striking. They want to work, you know, something. But, I uh, man, kickboxing or striking should be a block that people can sign up for. So I pitched it. We'll see. Well, learn Mandarin. You can do, what, do it at and the new this, performance yeah. institute. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Out yeah. in... Uh, where was it again? Shanghai. Shanghai. Yeah. yeah, they're doing it. That'll be cool. Yeah, it was, which was cool to me. I thought the UFC actually invested in these. It's actually um, outside money. Some like rich people who like to invest in the sport will actually... Oh, in China? Well, in I think the one in Vegas as well. Oh, really? And the China's going to be that. It's all non-UFC money that creates them. Wow, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. So, hey, cool. Did you see Misha out there? Uh, no, I didn't get to see him. He wasn't at... He uh, was here. Uh, actually, you know what? He was here the week you were there. Yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed. You could live in his basement uh, in Vegas. And, I know. And train out there whenever I you loved want. it. I mean, and I, I'm. it sounds weird, but I spent uh, almost, what, five, six days there? I didn't go to the Strip once. I yeah. loved the Institute. We were literally from there um, early in the morning. We get up at 6 by 7. We're at the Institute getting therapy, doing mobility, strength and conditioning. Then we go into our first session, and then we go into recovery. We're all in this high-tech Normatech boots with this. It was just overall, it was just three times a day training for a week at the at the playground, amazing. If I got to be there for a whole day, you know what I would use there? What's that? Those napping pods. The napping pods are yeah, good. Yeah, I, I saw them. them I, didn't ever slept. I never slept on those <laughs> napping pods, but yeah. Did you go inside it at least and check it out? I sat in it for it's a second. Pretty, it's pretty they're, sick. They're nice. Yeah, yeah, you can turn it around. For someone who's not getting sleep uh, as much as they'd like to right yeah, now, I would, would love be, a napping pod. That's the dream pod for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, forget forget kick, kicking uh, kicking pads and uh, yeah. and learning hooks and all that. I'll just go to I'll just go take a nap. Yeah, but from there it was three hour time difference, and then I got sent over to Rotterdam, which was now six hours from here. So yeah, I've been jet lagged. Put it that way. I've been home for a week, and I don't know what time it is. Yeah, so I'm well, all over the place. Well, but. then uh, you won't know that we're going to be talking for the next two hours. No, nope. so I'm, I'm actually excited. I want to hear, like, I caught up as much as I could on this Toronto card, but to hear some of your insights, it's going to be exciting. Well, Holloway, uh, I mean, I think that we were discussing this before the show. When somebody trash talks you, you know that there's some histrionics and, and theatrics to that. Yeah. But when someone just starts questioning your well-being and starts questioning whether you're going to show up. Yeah, like they almost feel sad for you. That's more personal. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, it's almost like uh, you're not fit to fight me and I'm worried to hurt you. And, like, it's okay. Like, I mean, I'm just happy. Remember Ortega said, but that's also his personality. Like, even if you hear his post-fight, he's just a, a nice, genuine, positive guy. But, I mean. But I think that there was some malice it to worked, it. I yeah. think there was some malice to it. I really, really? do. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when he's asked, he's standing next to Max Holloway, sitting next to him at the press conference, and somebody asks, you know, what, what percentage would you uh, give on your opponent showing up? And he's like, well, I, I can't answer that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of thing is like, that's, those are head games. Don't, yeah, I mean, yeah. don't get it twisted. Okay, yeah. Ortega is a nice guy, sure, but he uses that as a mode to get in his opponent's head for sure. And when those two guys were here at the same time at TSN... They didn't want to be near, I mean, I know for sure that yeah. Max didn't want to be near Ortega. I don't think Ortega cared that much, but Max was taking it personally. Yeah, I'm, I'm and, like that too. And I think that that's important. It's good to do that. It's good to be motivated by that. And I think that that really showed in the fight when Max was really baiting him in. And I mean, this is the uh, issue I have right now with the featherweight division. I mean, Dana wants Holloway to move up. Yeah. But if they make this fight, which they are, they've, it looks like it's going to happen in February between Aldo and Moicano. Yeah, and if, then the winner Aldo, would fight again. Well, if Aldo wins that fight, there's no fight to make in featherweight division. The yeah. Featherweight division, a third has fight with Holloway. Basically, Max has cleaned it. it out. Yeah, because if Aldo beats Moicano and is considered better than Moicano, now suddenly there's just nobody for Holloway to fight. He's not going to fight yeah. Aldo a third time. Yeah. 
Unless so, Moicano or um, what they say, Frankie Edgar. But well, I mean, there's Edgar, but I mean, who's who did Edgar just beat? Right? Yeah, exactly. Edgar beat was it was it Cub Swanson? Who was who was the person that he beat after he lost to um, to Ortega? I'm gonna look it up. I don't know why I'm forgetting this. I think it was a Cup Swanson rematch, rematch, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably, but I right? might be wrong. It was a win over Cup Swanson. Okay, yeah. I'm not imagining things. It was yeah, the unanimous decision victory. But um, so, I mean, a win over Cup Swanson, a guy who he'd already beaten previously, does that get you a title fight? I mean, I would love to see Frankie Edgar versus Holloway, but I, I think Holloway would be a three or four to one favorite against yeah, Edgar easily. at this point in time. But think about how you know. He was an underdog in this fight with Ortega, which was crazy. Yeah, that close, is it, yep. Is it because of the health issues and all those things we're Question talking marks. about? Yeah. And this was my whole take last week. I said, if Max Holloway is the same Max Holloway that we've seen, he will cruise in this fight. He'll win in the second or third round. It ended up being after the fourth round because I didn't realize how versatile Ortega was. Yeah. Because most other people would have gone down by the second or yeah. third round with, with what Holloway well, was versatile doing. Versatile or just tough, you know? It's just, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, why didn't he take him down? Because he couldn't. And I said, he couldn't yeah, take, he him, couldn't take down. him down. And now Ortega's bread and butter isn't wrestling. It's jujitsu. It's jujitsu, yeah. Being so if on you're the used back to stuffing takedowns from high-level wrestlers like yeah. Holloway has done in the and past. Holloway looked bigger than he did, right? Oh, yeah. He looked a lot bigger and more solid all around, and his frame looks looked Easily, yeah. so or I always thought that Ortega, you know, his only path to victory was if Holloway was not the same Max Holloway. If something was off with him, like people had been speculating, and he was able to kind of uh, surprise him out of nowhere with something. Yeah. And Ortega did get him to the ground at one point. And you're like, oh, this isn't good. But right back up, yeah. And then Max was on the ground with him. But I think, was still, in the fourth to, round. to be an underdog, I, I don't think the line should have been that. No, crazy. I don't think so either. I don't that, think so that's either. insane. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're talking about close to even one of the most uh, consecutive wins. Doesn't he have the, one of the most? Now it's 13. 13. It's tied for second all time with yeah, GSP under and Anderson John Jones. Silva, is yeah. it? Yeah. And, Dem- and Demetrius, maybe? No, maybe it's just Anderson. But yeah, it's tied, it's tied crazy. with John Jones. And, and, and uh, how are and you not the favorite in this fight against a young, up and coming kid? Well, you Holloway's know? younger than Ortega. Holloway's younger. Yeah, Holloway's Jeez. younger. That's how good Holloway is. He just turned 27. Yeah. And they, the, the stats they were talking about with his um, significant strikes. And how he's so dominant and how he's just, you know, light years ahead of everybody when it comes to significant strikes in the cage. Oh, absolutely. Because I think they said the other one that was the closest to him was um, uh, Bisping and some, I can't remember who the other um, fighter that was close with significant strikes. But they also had well, to he, take he like... He eclipsed him, yeah. But they yeah, took like, like 30, 29 yeah. fights to do it. He's doing it in 19 and he's finished more guys than Bisping and the other guy. So I think yeah. it's, it's insane. And uh, he... Landed more significant strikes on Ortega than I think almost all of his opponents combined. Yeah, he landed two ninety, and I think his combined was like just over three hundred. Yeah, so every one of his UFC fights, and it's just crazy, crazy because what makes him so successful are just the little. You don't even see what he's doing that makes him so successful. It's his his ability and his distance. Like when he's punching you with. You know, not that overly kind of power style. He's moving his feet. He's closing his distance. When he anticipates a counter, he just steps out and then counters the counters right back. Slightly takes little angles in his footwork. It's sharp. Is it fair to say he's got among the best timing of anybody in MMA? It's up there. That's for sure. I, I don't know if it's a timing thing more than a pressure volume in your face style. Because I, I would say timing is more like a Conor McGregor. That's where you value that timing. Where you wait, you patient. A Tyron Woodley who, when you have that opportunity, boom, he catches you. 
like that. It's more of that in-your-face style pressure. But what's so impressive is that he can pressure you and not get hit as much as, you know, um, most people would because he kind of keeps his hands on top. He beats you to the punch. He jams your punches. And he's just in and out of range at such such a, a high level. So, I mean, it's just it's incredible to see. The other person who has that kind of weird volume pressure style would kind of probably be a Diaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and... It's just it's hard. It's hard. It's frustrating unless you know how to to do you know either kick really well or or wrestle. You can't do much against those kind of guys. If you're Max Holloway, do you move up to lightweight where you're going to have bigger, more marquee matchups? Maybe make I don't know if you're going to make more money, but you'll you'll have matchups that are more sellable. You might be at a bit of a disadvantage because you're not as big as you are at featherweight. Or would you stick around at featherweight and just keep building that legacy? It's it's tough. It's tough. I think everybody's the era of. MMA now is super fights. Everybody just wants to see the super fights. So I think he's being pressured a lot. And I think that's that's an issue now, too. It's why everything. Like, if you win, why is it always, are you going up? Are you going up? Are you going up? There, there's too much of that now. I mean, it would be nice to see him dominate the division like we kind of saw with Demetrius Johnson. But the issue is, then you got a Cejudo, and then it kind of ruins the legacy. Um, well, it's hot, I think, right now, and he's done a lot in the featherweight division. I like the lightweight fights. Yeah, I think that him versus Ferguson's an amazing fight. Yeah. Him versus Khabib, it almost happened this year. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that we What forget. about um, a Conor McGregor? Or is that too dangerous? No, for... I, I mean, he lost to McGregor the first time, but that's a different Max Holloway. That was his last loss. Yeah. It was, what, four or five years ago. I just think that it's weird that the question of who the pound-for-pound pound best featherweight is right now, um, how Conor McGregor is always in the talk with the all Well, they're those... saying best of all time. Yeah. So and, who uh, is the best of all time? I think it's Aldo. I think it's Aldo. Still, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, this is the thing about Aldo, and we we have such a recency bias when it comes to these things. Before Aldo got caught by McGregor, yeah. he was an untouchable champion for for almost a decade. Yeah. He, nobody came close to beating him. Nobody. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, the difference between him and Holloway is that Holloway's doing a, similar things to Aldo, and he's doing it faster. Yeah. But at the same time, like uh, you know, Holloway hadn't been a champion for that long. So for how long How long has Holloway been fighting the best competition at the division? If you go through it, Pettis was not well-suited for featherweight, so I don't consider him among the best competition. No. Lamas is up there. Stevens is up there. Charles Oliveira is, is kind of up there. But uh, basically his last three fights, Aldo, Aldo, and Ortega, are what's going to build that legacy. Whereas if you look at what Aldo did, he was the champion. So he was consistently beating the best guys from 2010 until... He lost to McGregor in 2015. But when he started in uh, the WEC, it was 08, and he was basically untouchable for seven years. Yeah. Like, nobody came close to beating him. Yeah. So I agree with that's you. that's prolonged success, and that's prolonged longevity. I mean, Holloway himself said he thinks Aldo's the best featherweight of all time. But then you look at McGregor, and you look at what McGregor did at featherweight. He had some good wins, too. He had a win over Max Holloway, win over Dustin Poirier. Look at where those guys are now. Win over Chad Mendez, win over Aldo, and then he left the division. So yeah. those are, that's a really great resume. But, but of he, all time, no, you can't be yeah. that, Aldo. I mean, he did that over the course of two years. It's an unbelievable resume. Uh, but you can't, yeah, you, you, it's hard to say that you can put that ahead of Aldo and Aldo's prolonged success. Um, not to mention that they did kind of insulate McGregor from wrestlers. And really the best wrestler McGregor's faced is Khabib, and Khabib manhandled him. He did face Chad Mendez. Yeah, I was going to say Mendez. But Mendez but... took the fight on a week's notice, had to cut tons of weight, and was not the same Mendez. And Mendez manhandled and, and him in the first him round. took him down to death. Yeah. Took him down to So I don't think that that's a great example of yeah. exactly what 
a really skilled wrestler would do to McGregor. I think that we all kind of had the blinders on going into that Khabib fight because we know how good Connor's timing is, and we never really saw him getting tested by a wrestling-based fighter, grinder, especially yeah. one of the best ever in Khabib yeah. in terms of mixed martial arts. Yeah, no, I agree. So, yeah, I, I'm all for Aldo, but everyone seems to be giving Holloway that best stuff. I think know? it's a reason to see bias. I really do. Yeah, And, I, and just because, beating, like you said, beating Aldo you know, doesn't help Aldo's case, but there's a time. There's a generation that Aldo, like you said, was untouchable. Yeah. And I don't want to make assumptions, but Aldo was also doing it during a different era. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. True. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything about him. It doesn't yeah, mean, no, you know, it's, but it's not you an do have to fa- him, But you do need to think but about But you do things. have to factor pre and post USADA for sure. I agree. Mm-hmm. Because what's Aldo's record post USADA? Yeah. And I'm not trying to throw Aldo under the bus because we saw no, no, what no, Aldo but did. It's we saw what Aldo did say. against Jeremy Stevens, and that's the Aldo that. And the uh, Brazilians have, have always had a history of using. Um, yeah, or at least people have made that assumption. Yes. So yeah. if you look at uh, when did USADA kick in? I think it was 2016. He beat Edgar while he was under USADA. That's not easy to do. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, losing twice. Here's what we lost. We lost to McGregor. It was a 13-second fight. We don't really know how that would have happened if we were gotten longer. Yeah. yeah. He, and then he lost to Holloway twice. And we've seen how good Holloway is. And, I mean, Aldo is in his advanced age right now. He's uh, 32 years old. He's so not that old, but he's he's still up there. He, in fight years, he's a lot older. Yeah. I just thought it was crazy, man. I, I don't know where Hol- Holloway's crazy in my mind. I was watching the pre-fight stuff with him with um, the UFC behind-the-scene vlogs. He's snowboarding the week, fight yeah. week. Like, how does the <laughs> UFC I, allow him? Who was I with? I was with Joanna when she was how here. Does she, how is goes, he allowed to Ioana ski? Joanna goes, Max was, he goes, I, she's like, I would, snowboarding, never, I would yeah. never snowboard during fight week. She's I wouldn't like, even I, she's snowboard like, I would outside snow- of camp yeah. because it's too dangerous that I might tear something. And he's snowboarding. It is what it is. Yes. <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then I'm like, okay, he's Hawaiian. Where did he learn how to snowboard? It was his third time, he said. I think he said I, it was his third or fourth time yeah, snowboarding. And he's just going to go snowboard the week yeah. of he this fight. That's, that, to me, was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And it <laughs> used to be in my fight contract. And you've seen a lot of crazy I stuff. Cannot, yeah, <laughs> it, it said in my fight contract that I couldn't do these high-risk activities, especially during camp. That was in my contract. I'm sure it's in his, too, but, you know, embedded in hey, there. Hey, yeah, hey, let's, let's that's just all, go. Said, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I absolutely couldn't believe it. Imagine Ortega watching that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Watching Embedded. He's like, oh, my God, this guy's snowboarding. This guy's freaking snowboarding. I couldn't believe it. It was nuts. Yeah. yeah. That, that <laughs> shocked me the most. That totally well, shocked me That the was most. a great fight. It's probably the best featherweight championship fight of all time. Although, yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, again, recency bias, a lot of people are overlooking Aldo versus Mendez, the second one, which is a fantastic fight. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just think Holloway looked great. I'm excited now. Um, he's back into, um, I don't know. And I'm just... Uh, and it makes me nervous too. He doesn't sound like he's taking. He sounds like he's taking a lot of shots too. So I'm hoping that. You mean the way he speaks? Yeah. But it's, is it always, always been like talk that? Like that? If you watch, people said the same thing about Chuck Liddell during this Ortiz uh, uh, debacle recently. That he was uh, sounded like he was punch drunk. But if you watch interviews from Liddell from like 15 years ago, sounds exactly the same. Yeah. I know that kind of messed with me a little bit watching that because oh, especially but, hearing. Yeah. About have the we talked stuff. about that yet? No, I don't think so. God, when you what were you thinking when you watched that fight? The the which one? Liddell versus Ortiz. Oh no, I've uh, I I didn't watch didn't it watch live. It. But, did you watch it? Uh, did I watched watch it, it after. Yeah. yeah. So what did you? Th- I mean, you knew what the result was, but what did you think of it? Huh, yeah, it was bad. I, I, I was, it was I, embarrassing. I, I, I was actually talking to Dana White about this off the air. Um, I won't really elaborate on much on our on our total <laughs> discussion about the event, but I was saying to him, I thought Chuck had the the right strategy. I thought if you've got a guy who's younger who's going to throw at you, circle, circle and try to counter. If you yeah. if, if 
Chuck had the same power that Chuck was known to have. That would be the good, that a good would be strategy, the strategy for him. Because he wasn't the type of guy to circle during his career. Yeah, no, he came forward, sat there. and Yeah. So I thought he had the right strategy, except he just had nothing behind his punches. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. It's crazy to me. Oh, it is crazy. And I, I don't even crazy. know how he got sanctioned to fight either. No. Like that, I asked that's Oscar the, the craziest thing to me is how he got yeah. his medical license. There's no way, you know, I don't think Ontario would license him no, at all. No. You know, like Oscar said that he had a clean bill of health, so they licensed him. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? Andy Foster was interviewed about it this week by uh, Mark Raimondi. I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I know that uh, he spoke about it. And the other big thing to come from that interview is that uh, Andy Foster, who runs the California State Athletic Commission, said he wishes that they would have kept the jurisdiction over the John Jones situation instead of deferring to USADA. Okay. Read into that what you might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that. Yeah. Reading between the lines. Mm -hmm. You know what? As somebody who covers the sport... I know that these things are important. We want to hold uh, clean be- fighters being clean into you know. Yeah. But I want to see John Jones fight. I yeah. like. I love watching but, John. But John Jones to me is one of is the best ever. It's the same concept goes to uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Like there is. I don't really care about watching Lesnar fight though. To be honest, yeah. I don't care that much. Because John think, Jones, I love watching because he's so dominant. Where, I don't know where I, I heard it from. I, I don't know who was talking. They were like, if you fight. Lesnar, it's kind of like known that he's on it, but the payday is so yeah, big exactly. that it's worth it. You know, you're like, yeah, he is, but I'm going to make it. Except for Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt assumed he wasn't on it. Yeah. Bad I assumption. Mean, but yeah. at that point, you're kind of like, he's a cheater. Eh, yeah. All these guys in the heavyweight division are cheaters. He was supposed to come to this last glory event, too. I was no, Mark to, was? Yeah, because oh. um, his uh, little prod, one of his, um, he's got like a little group of uh, guys that travel with him, his fight team, and mm-hmm. uh, the guy fights for Glory, okay. Junior Taffa. Okay. He uh, he ended up losing to Sadiq in the first round of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, he just, he spent the whole time in Thailand with Mark preparing for his last fight. But uh, yeah, I was excited to meet him, but I didn't Maybe get Mark a will sign with Glory now that he's a free that's, agent. That's what I was saying. I was like, yeah, but, it, but apparently it would take a lot of money to get him to fight. Oh, I would imagine so. But or it had to be worth, worth it. I was like, hey, yeah, I was like, hey, put him in. You know, get him. Uh, I'm sure he'll take on a big name. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be fun. It doesn't necessarily have to be Rico. I think it'd be terrible to put him in against Rico, but I'd like to see him against some of our other heavyweights. That can be fun. Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's fun against anybody. He's yeah. just one of these guys that I think people want to watch. Um, other things to, that stood out on the card, Shevchenko versus Yanjaychuk. I thought this fight was going to be closer than it was, but Shevchenko was just too big. Yeah, that's what I've... And even watching them, I, I knew it was going to be an issue because I think Joanna prides herself on speed in their combinations. Everything's with speed and fast, which is, which is good to have, but Shevchenko has the power. You know, she'll she'll one-shot you, so that power makes a big difference. And no matter how quick or how many shots you can do, but if I land one power shot, the, the whole Mike Tyson line, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get hit. I, but, I found it difficult to to talk to Joanna after the fight because she, you can tell that it just means so much to her, and she was she she cries when she loses. She yeah. she really takes it personally. For sure, it sucks. and um, you know, it, it, she's very emotional. And you know, the thing I asked her afterwards was, "You thought that you beat Rose the second time, uh, the judges that the judges uh, got it wrong. Do you, what do you think this time?" And she's she she knew that she had lost that fight. Yeah, and they said four um, one, right? But um, a lot of people said it should have probably been five rounds straight for. Yeah, I, did, I didn't give you on a round. I don't yeah. know which round they gave you one. I'd actually like to go back and look because it might be different. Different rounds. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the numbers statistically, it looks like it was an even fight. But when you watched it, it was not. So from your perspective, what does uh, Yen Jacek have to do? Because to go back down, well, she wants to, to go fight back Rose down and fight again. Rose, but she, she has to. She doesn't want to have to earn tough, that title fight, yeah, which she's going to have to. Yeah, but and everybody's saying she should fight Tatiana Suarez, which I just think is a terrible, a terrible, terrible matchup. move. Yeah, it's a bad move. Well, it's a bad matchup for Joanna. 
And uh, Ioana is, they have stock in Ioana. They've put promotional clout behind Ioana. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to destroy that. Even though you're going to get promotional clout behind Suarez by making that fight, if Suarez wins, I mean, it, no guarantee Suarez wins that fight, but if that's a three-round fight and you're against a wrestler of the caliber of Suarez, it's not going to be a fun fun yeah. day for you. But I think regardless, though, we got to give a lot of praise to Chevchenko. Like, the, the road she had to go to to become a... You know, an MMA champion, I think, is incredible. The fact that she's a full-time martial artist, the way she dedicates her life to the sport, I mean, I think that is a true champion, someone who from a young age had the dream, had the goal. Like, I mean, I hear stories that she literally just travels and trains 24-7. She, yeah. she, she did her camp in Maine this yeah. time. There's just no MMA just because Maine. it's something like closer to <laughs> a little home bit. or culture. No, she, they were she wanted she wanted to uh, have a similar feel to Toronto in terms of the atmosphere. Oh, Toronto! She I thought wanted, home yeah. as in like yeah. no, she wanted to like Russia. have a similar climate to Toronto and be oh. acclimatized to a. And she she had trained in Maine before. Have you ever been to Maine? No, oh, it's no. beautiful out there. I heard it is, but I've never been in the winter. But in the summer, it's a phenomenal yeah. place to be. But Dana, that's where Dana White lives in the, in the summer. Actually. Yeah, yeah. But she look. I I'm I'm happy to see a champion like that. I just someone who's worked hard, had that young dream, and even asked her. She's like, "How did this one feel? Is it you know? Is this the best one?" She's like, "I'm a 17-time world champion, mm-hmm. you know, in kickboxing yeah. and in other organizations." So she's like, "Yeah, it's good, but she just wants more now." So I mean, that's that's true martial artist there. I like it absolutely. Um, Gunnar Nelson beats Alex Oliveira. That was one of the more devastating finishes. Uh, yeah, I heard nice elbows to the rear naked, and yeah. Gunnar spent. Uh, he trained once at my gym in fight week. I didn't get to see him, but. Uh, um, How did he end up coming out there? Um, he's friends with my uh, ju- one of the jiu-jitsu coaches at Bazooka. Um, he went down to Iceland and taught at uh, his gym, and then they made a connection. And he's like, hey, if you need a day to train, come by the gym. So he was available, and I just got home from Vegas, so I couldn't uh, couldn't make it. But yeah. it would have been he, nice. It would have been nice him. to see you uh, grapple with him on uh, on uh, with that kind of jet lag. It would have been fun. Right? Oh, yeah. I don't know about grapple with I'll strike with anybody. <laughs> I'll strike with anybody right off the plane. Grapple? No, that's a different story. Hopefully nobody from customs is listening to this interview. <laughs> yeah. uh, Hakeem Dawudu uh, beating uh, Kyle Bokniak. Yeah, split decision, but uh, how a did he A terrible look? split decision. It should have been Oh, what? God. It should have been 30-27s across the board. Yeah, Hakeem looked that great. His sharp yeah. power. Paul Felder called it on, on the broadcast. He goes, that decision is trash. That's yeah. split decision. How was his leg kicks looking? Very powerful. Good. Very yeah. good. Very good. powerful. He's, he's going to be a force. I mean, yeah. he lost that first fight, and I think that that really helped humble him. And I don't know if you read the story about him that uh, MMA Fighting did. Chuck Mendenhall's phenomenal read, just on his background no, and no. how he came up. It's oh, it's crazy. Yeah, just a- again, he seems to be adapting well. It's what can he do with wrestling? That's what it comes down to. Striking's beyond, you know, where it needs to be in the UFC. It's, it comes down to that wrestling and him being that power stylist. He's got to have to change his his old school kickboxing Muay Thai, and it's it's working. <laughs> Absolutely, it's yeah, he's adapting, working. and he's getting better and better. I'm excited for him. And uh, in the light heavyweight division, Tiago Santos is going to be a problem. I yeah. mean, this guy is just... <laughs> I heard they came out swinging. Like, yeah. It was a you know, good, I'll, fun I'll, first round. I'll, I'll credit the, uh, the guys on the co-main event podcast. If you haven't checked that out, it's really a, a great listen every week uh, with Ben Folks and Chad Dundas. Um, they, it, ben Folks has this conspiracy theory that nobody's ever taught Tiago Santos what a jab is. Yeah, yeah. When he goes, into, power he goes into fights and guys Swing. throw ja- guys th- guys throw jabs at him, and he goes to the corner and he's like, he threw this this punch I've never seen before at me, and they're like, no, no, just keep doing what you're de- doing, <laughs> Tiago. It, it's funny; those guys are great. Um, now, what's going to happen with Manoa? Because he hasn't been on a, a pretty good streak. Yeah, Manoa right? is uh, he's think, a three fight I, losing streak. I think he's I think he's just going to be one of these guys that they put into fights with strikers, and I think yeah. that that's kind of keep w- him at where like his the, career is going to be. Around ten gatekeeper, you know, like yeah. yeah. 
He'll never. He can't just beat the top of the division. Yeah, so. Put him against Tyson. But he's Pe- good against Tyson Pedro. Next. Yeah, some good fights. I mean, but I don't see him definitely as a as a future champ anymore. But, oh, Santos. To me, if like I'm going to look at the UFC rankings right now, but I think that like if I had to do the rankings, and uh, I don't thankfully, but. Um, and I don't know if the rankings have been updated as to where he is ranked. Let's see if they've been um, updated. They it haven't has been 15. Up- yeah, yeah okay, he's been ranked. And he's Elias fi- at 14. 15 is where they have? Yeah. No, no, no. They've got Santos at 7. 7. Jeez, you almost gave me a heart oh, attack. Oh, Tiago Santos. Yeah, Tiago Santos. Well, he's, he's 15 in middleweight. We're looking at the wrong division. He, he's ranked at both divisions, which ah, doesn't make okay, any sense. There we go. He's 7 at light heavyweight. Um, to me, he's a top five guy. Like, I think if you, he's what, not ranked on it, though? Yeah, he no wasn't ranking. ranked last week okay. before this fight, which is also asinine. But I think that Tiago Santos is one of these guys that you, uh, that if you if he was to fight Alir Latifi or Jan Blokovic or Anthony Smith, he's beating any of those guys. Yeah, I agree. And I think we'll see what happens with Gustafson and Jones to see where, where both those guys are at. After the both but of them him have a long way off, have Anthony Smith would be fun. Yeah, well, he just he was the last guy to beat Anthony Smith. Yeah, at middleweight. Okay, so I, I actually so asked him to after see it the, as a light heavyweight. Well, I asked him after the card. I go, would you like to face Anthony Smith again? And he said, yeah. So, I mean, that would be that would be cool to see. And they made another error. The rankers they have Yoani and Jacek ranked sixth at flyweight, where really she should be number one, even though she yeah, lost. They really moved Misha down in the rankings, eh? They put him at fourteen. Yeah. Well, he yeah they've had he's. Uh, he was hovering around like the top ten, and then when he lost those two fights, he moved down. And I guess I don't I know why. When he fought, um, I mean, who was coming off a win? But I don't know how you rank him. When he fought Teixeira, I thought it, it just was seems a, a lot of rank. a lot of these light heavyweights have had good years. I mean, that's really what it is. This year, Dominic a lot of light Reyes heavyweights. Reyes has been great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Saint Prue shouldn't be that high in my opinion, but Glover Teixeira beat Misha. So he's ranked above him, and then you've got Corey Anderson, who I think just beat Glover, so he's ranked up. So all these guys are getting wins and, and uh, starting to pass uh, Misha. So Misha, who's hoping to fight early next year, uh, has some work to do in that regard. Yeah, Shogun would be fun. <laughs> yeah, I, he wants that fight. He wants he, the he, Shogun? Yeah, he would love yeah. to fight Shogun. That would be perfect. Um, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, ranking Joanna as sixth at women's flyweight is, like, borderline insulting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> she should be number one. Yeah. And do you think uh, even in the flyweight, um, I, they're talking about Jessica I having the next potential shot? Well, Jessica I has been talking about Jessica I having the next potential shot. Okay, um, I've been hearing like guys like Hawani have been mentioning that she's right the next now she's logical number one. one, right? Yeah, she's the next logical one. She's undefeated now at flyweight. But I asked Dana about it after the card, and Dana said she's coming off a split decision win. I can't commit to giving her a title shot with that. Yeah, which is fair. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, that's uh, that's the main card. Uh, other things that stood out: Nina Ansarov looked phenomenal against Claudia Gadelia. Best yeah, she's which ever is looked. shocking, right? She's now moved up to the uh, top. Uh, I think top three. Yeah, she's now ranked third in the women's strawweight division. And uh, give me a little quick recap on um, Theodoru. I heard he looked pretty good. Well, it depends who you ask. Okay. A lot of people thought that Theodoru was just throwing punches at the air and you well, know. Well, that's kind throwing. of his style, yeah. though, right? That's yeah, always and that, in and that uh, Andrews probably should have gotten a ten-eight round for one of the rounds. It should, probably should have been a draw. Or an Anders win. Uh, personally, the, the issue with me is I'm backstage, so I'm interviewing people back that are coming backstage and as they come, and I miss a lot of these fights. From what I saw, Elias looked sharp. Yeah, but uh, I, I can't really give you a really good feel. I, I have to go back and watch it. But if you look at the volume that Elias put out, it's like yeah, that's he, that's... he, he throws more volume than Yoani and Jacek. Oh yeah, at, at 185 pounds, and that's why he's hard to hit because even though he's not hitting you, he is occupying the space between you and him. So now when he's always punching, where's your time to come in? He's never stopping, you know. So he makes it really tough for you to want to come in and exchange. So 
I mean, it works. That volume approach works for him. But he had a great night. He looked really good um, from what I saw. And uh, Brad Catona looked great against Matthew Lopez. Probably should have been a stoppage. He uh, basically choked Lopez out at the, at the buzzer. Yeah. And Lopez was, like, out on his feet. The ref had to help him to his stool, and so they which, just usually, gave which just... usually should be a, a loss. It yeah, you would waved think so. Off. But uh, they, he, he won a decision anyways. If he didn't win a decision, it would have been bad news. Um, of course, you watched Diego versus Chad LaPriese. Yeah. Uh, you were training with Chad for this particular Yeah, yeah, camp. we did a lot of camps, but, uh, yeah, Chad just got excited. I mean— Have uh, you spoken to him? Yeah, we talk. We, we, we keep in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was everything was working. I mean, you look back, his distance control. It, the fight was really about uh, distance control for us. We wanted to stay extra long against a long, rangy, scrappier Lima. So um, it was a lot, a lot of the game plan was to chop away on the leg and move. Diego likes to step heavy with his jab, so it was going to stay extra long with our distance, chop away. Um, and it was working at first, but then, um, you know, with the height, the excitement, our tracking him against the cage was nice. I felt like Chad maybe wanted to close distance a little bit because uh, we also felt we had the advantage in wrestling. So, um, yeah, I mean, we went. For, he looked like he went to parry a jab, and that's where Lima, you know, intelligently switched it into a hook, and you get caught. That's part of the, the crappy part of the game. But, uh, yeah, we had a good camp. He's never felt better. His striking was on point. It's just... The getting caught aspect of the fight. Yeah, got to make some adjustments. Yeah. And then the first fight on the card, which I'm not sure if you watched that, Alexander Rakich versus Devin Clark. So the unified rules were not in place in Ontario, which means if you if you're down if you have three points down, you can't be kneed in the head. Okay. Alexander Rakich took about six knees to the head while he was uh, considered a downed opponent because this referee just didn't do anything, which is just a, a complete joke. And uh, whoever that referee is shouldn't be refereeing UFC events anymore. Yeah, so I'm gonna just know. go ahead and yeah. say that I don't know who the ref was, but it was bad. Yeah, it was real bad, real real bad. Um, UFC uh, 233 is uh, canceled. <laughs> it goes the way of uh-huh. UFC 151-176. They were trying to put together a welterweight main event, but uh, Tyron Woodley is not ready to fight in January. Uh, all the other weight classes are tied up or have an injured champion. So and Carmi when is injured, officially is did they cancel that? It was like uh, yesterday. I think. Yesterday, right? Yeah. yeah. They canceled it yesterday, um, and they're moving the fights around. Some fights are going to the Brooklyn card. Some are going to UFC 235. Some are going to... Um, the card in Fortaleza, Brazil. Yeah. So they're being spread around a little bit. Um, the UFC card in Brooklyn will be a, a, a big beneficiary of it. But uh, so that card's done. No, yeah. no pay-per-view I'm in hearing, January. I, I mean, I heard Woodley speaking about this. And he and he makes a, a, a really good point. It's like, I've done so many things. And as a champion, you can't force me to fight. You know, coming off of a three months with injuries. So I think the UFC almost and the fans almost made him feel like it's Woodley's fault that it was canceled. So I know he's taking that quite personally and being like, can people look back at my career to see what I've done? I just fought three months ago. I have a broken hand. I can't even do any sort of takedown defense, and this is the type of fight it is. So, I mean, he's being smart as a champion, and I think people need to respect that. It's it's a, it's a tricky game. One loss because he takes the fight, and there goes his legacy. There goes his food, his family's you know, future. So, yeah, being I mean, a champion, right. it's so much more beneficial to be a champion, and you should protect that. And yeah, I think like that, taking and, but the problem is the UFC penalizes. No, the, the thing is the UFC penalizes people for for this, and um, I don't think that they. I think that there would have been a big uproar if they would have stripped Woodley of the belt. Yeah, because of this, because Woodley fought in September. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not like yeah, Woodley's seriously. been inactive for over and a year. And even last time when they um they gave Colby the interim title, yeah, he, he wasn't even off it for a dissolved. year. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, he wasn't even off for a year. You know, usually within a year they have that decision. I think the UFC actually says a year, and they gave an interim title and, right away. And Colby might be getting screwed again. I mean, uh, Kamaru Usman came on uh, 
Twitter yesterday and posted a contract that makes it look like he's going to be fighting Tyron Woodley next. Yeah, and so I, if even, that happens, you know, Colby should but be. But also, Ben Askren, I heard, might be fighting tomorrow. That's what he said. You mean Marty from uh, Nebraska? Marty, yeah, yeah. Marty from Marty. Nebraska? He's been yeah. ripping Marty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Askren has a fight lined up between uh, him and Lawler, and uh, that fight's now been rescheduled for UFC 235. So okay, so it's officially again? Yeah, it's official okay. again, UFC 235 in Vegas. That was just announced about an hour yeah. ago. And um, then even um, with Dana White, they're saying they gave him Lawler because Dana and the Askren beef. Yeah. They're like, hey, give you the toughest, you know, debut you but can get. Recently, Dana's been saying he likes Askren. He says, yeah, yeah, I, so like I, what, I like what Askren's doing. He's but I don't know I if it's that, that dangerous. About. I mean, you got to think the way Askren can use his ground game and the way to control his opponent. I don't know if that necessarily makes Lawler um, the most dangerous opponent for him. But I think what makes Lawler so dangerous is that you have to basically kill him or knock him out. Otherwise, he's not going to stop. That's yeah. what makes the dangerousness in the fight. And Colby's going to have to basically sit around. Like I, yeah. he's, I don't think he wants to fight Darren Till or Stephen Thompson. Yeah. So no. he might have to just sit around and try to get... Is Till officially to moving up, though? Is, I think so. Yeah. But to me, it's crazy that Woodley and Covington isn't the fight to make. They've had such a beef for such a long time. Former training partners. There's so much narrative here. But yeah. I think that they're punishing Colby Covington for being inflexible. Yeah. Because wanting it. Because they offered it uh, before, didn't they? No. Uh, yeah. Well, they offered him... And that's him in, why in they September. ended up giving Till yeah. to Woodley, right? Right. BC wouldn't take it in September. Yeah. Now the same thing is happening here with Woodley. So yeah, but you're know. not. But remember, like Woodley's the champion, right? That yeah. the champion should have the choice. If you're if you're a title contender, you should take a fight on a week's notice if you could. You know, two weeks notice, three weeks. You don't need. I mean, depending on injury and stuff like that. But you're the, you know, the challenger. If you have a little bit of the injury, those are the things you have to do to become a champion, right? And Woodley said something interesting. He said uh, if it was a more of a striking based fighter. Yeah, I would, I would fight injured. Yeah. yeah, but uh, when there's going to be a lot of grappling exchanges, he goes, Kamaru and uh, Covington aren't going to stand with me. They're going to no, they're flat grinding. So yeah. he says I, that yeah. kind of fight I can't do with this hand situation, which is it's fair, of course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that Tyron handled this in a really good way this time. He's very, very diplomatic. Where yeah. in the past he has come off as I'm the, always the victim. Always, always the victim. I don't think he, he he's starting to kind of turn the corner in that yeah. regard. I, I I thought it was the right answer. Like. In the past, I've always been like, okay, Woodley, but now he's sticking to, like, it makes sense. The more you think about it and, and you take yourself, you know, and put yourself in his shoes, why are you going to be the the one as a champion taking the risks? No? Absolutely. So, I mean, he's doing the right way. So that uh, looks like it's going to get some clarity soon. Um, Dana White was here last week. I, I, I talked to him a little bit about Oscar De La Hoya. I talked to him about a bunch of issues that aired on last week's podcast. Um, so this week, I got to speak with Oscar De La Hoya. And uh, you saw this interview. Fun. Well, yeah. Oscar, the problem I liked it listen, a lot. I'm not trying. People were coming at me on Twitter and saying I was trying to be um, confrontational too or yeah. too aggressive and cutting him off. But when he's saying things that show that he does not know about mixed martial arts and he's trying to promote mixed martial arts, you have to be able to hold the guy accountable. I mean, we're talking about like name a sport that you don't watch ever. A sport of baseball. How many innings are in a baseball game? Well, nine. I know. There enough. you go. Yes, he won't know. You how know many the rounds. very, very basic, <laughs> the basic most of... basic of basic information. And um, in collegiate baseball, how much do those guys make? Would you have, would you guess? In collegiate, guys that play NCAA baseball, how much? How much? Zero. Can, zero. Because because of the NCAA rule, and they're, they're amateurs. amateurs. Yes, these are basic sports questions. Questions. Yes, basic. And if you're promoting it. It's like if, <laughs> if you were running Joe Valtellini's Baseball League yeah, and, and you were know. on a satellite tour and someone says, hey, 
I know kickboxing's your bread and butter, but you've recently dipped your toe into baseball, into starting your own baseball league, Joe. Yeah. So t- tell us, Joe. Tell us about you Joe's You were saying baseball. that Major League Baseball isn't paying guys enough. We looked at your payroll, and you're paying guys $1,000 a game. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be able to answer. Why? Especially yeah. if you're coming out making a point like and that, you, that we're changing were like, the game. If you said, well, it's uh, those are the four-inning players. No, there's nine innings in a baseball game, Joe. And the worst thing was he made an MMA card that looked like it had 20 fights. It did. It, it had 18 have, fights. Yeah. So put 10 fights on and then pay the other guys <laughs> at least 2000 bucks instead of 1000 bucks each. I don't know. It's crazy. It's, cra- it's crazy. To I've me. never been to a, an event with eighteen MMA fights. That's it's the insane, worst man. night I ever. Be, exactly. It's terrible. I love fighting. I could watch fighting all day, even if it was <laughs> imagine 18 broadcasting that. Fights. Imagine calling that many. Oh, brutal, brutal. Well, it's awful. And yeah. I mean, I don't know how people can blame me and and say that I'm being too hard on Delahoya when he does not know facts about the very base level. <laughs> The baseline knowledge of that sport. But and he's I, promoting I still it. think it, the, the, the boxing approach could have worked. Don't put 18 fights. Only put five or six, but promote the crap out of them, you know. Put the press conference. Right. Learn them. Get, the, get those well, six paid more. To learn them is a big point. Dana White made this point earlier today on ESPN. He didn't know anyone's name. He has the all the guys behind him. Get a piece of paper from left. This yeah, guy. This, this, really, this. A couple points on him. Or have Darren, a PR guy. Darren Wynn. This guy trains wrestling with, uh, with Daniel Cormier. A very, very good prospect. Just write three notes on a page. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. He doesn't even need to do the research. That's yeah. it. Put it, on, put it in front <laughs> it, of him on a piece of paper. It was one of the most painful press conferences I've seen. Take the L, Oscar. I hate yeah. to say this. O- you know, Oscar he's puts fighting on, until he goes You've down. got Canelo he's going making down with the ship. $350 million for 11 fights with the zone. You don't need to do MMA. Yeah. Get out of the game. Take the L. Do you think he's going to do it again? It's a pride thing now. Yes, he is because now it's a pride thing. Now he, his pride is being called out. By someone else, a rival promoter, so and he's, he's going to do go. it. He's going to keep losing money as a result of just wanting to show I'd, that he can I'd do something. I'd even be more into him even doing kind of what Bellator does. Do a little boxing mixed with MMA or something like that. That could work. You know, try to build your boxing fans, which is your own community that you've built and you're following, and try to get them into he your He doesn't have a rights MMA. holder. He's putting it on pay-per-view. Yeah. They said it did 30,000 pay-per-view buys. Yeah. But according to him, there was a lot more. So right? this guy comes the digital, out. Remember that was his whole point, that he didn't even want to tell you how many digital buys? Yeah, a, a lot. Yeah, a lot. A lot. Just but this a guy lot. comes out. I interviewed Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell back in, um, I think it was that International Fight Week. They were there for the Fighters Only Awards. And I asked Tito about the payment for this. I didn't even really ask him about the payment, but I brought it up. And he said, the pay is heavily incentivized. We're not getting paid a big base but we're getting paid a lot of money based on how we sell this thing, pay-per-views and, and tickets. Mm-hmm. From from I, I heard from a good source that a lot of the tickets for this event were comped, that they were just given out because they wanted to make it look like a full building. It, it, which it looked busy. Up, but... Upper deck wasn't sold. Upper okay. deck was empty. They wanted to to prove that they had to, – to make it look like they were selling tickets – they they opened up some upper deck tickets day of like top front row front three just rows of the upper like deck it, just yeah. to make it look like they they had for optics ten thousand people with the no I don't think so even with the comp yeah, tickets or? I don't think so so he's talking about Dana White not paying these guys and yet he's screwing them by by giving them incentive incentive yeah, because contracts. they know the pay per view is not going to do well you can't if. He's been in the business more than we have, longer than we have. He knows that pay per view model is not going to work. 
So that's why it was incentive based. Yeah. You know, let these guys do it, which is fine. I think it's a great model to let the the fighter promote the crap out of themselves if they want to make that money. I mean, but that's not going to sell. But he also he ran it like a boxing event. He had those those awful press conferences where they do speeches. Yeah. Like yeah. he just you can't you can't fit a square peg into a round hole. You just can't. Yeah. Well, you got to at least know what you're doing. But you know what? Like, listen, I don't I do not fault him for trying, but take the L. Yeah. Take the L. Own That's up it. for it. That's it. We tried it. It's not my bread and butter. Let's move on. Yeah. Dana White won't bother him about it. But have you heard other journalists ask him the questions you were asking him? Or is everyone shying away from those no, types they, of questions? No, they just they don't know. Like, if you go on first take and you start talking about MMA numbers, first the guys from first take, um, and Kellerman's a big boxing guy, so I don't want to discount him, but they don't have time to research the minutia of MMA. Yeah, yeah. They they, sure. they they cover every single sport. So yeah. they can't every, be an expert in anything. Yeah, so yeah. so they cover the NFL, they cover the NBA, every big story. But they don't they don't look at the micro details of the sport. So unluckily for Oscar, when I do an interview for him, I'm I'm armed with facts because yeah. I just know them. I'm not doing research on these are just things. And you're defending your passion of what we all are here doing. You I'm, not, know? I'm not even defending it. I'm asking. I'm no, a, no, but like, like not defending, but you're asking the questions that us as pure MMA yes. martial arts fans want to know. Right. I'm asking a promoter business questions about his business. Yes. Which is why promoters do interviews. Yeah, as you should. That's why Dana White is better to talk on these topics than other people. He has to own up and do it. I think Dana owns up for it all the time. You know, and I think that's where Oscar looks terrible. It was bad. It was it very was bad. bad. It, it was, was very it bad. Was embarrassing. And it's not my intention to make Oscar look bad. It's, it really isn't. But yeah. if he's coming at me, like as as somebody who's a journalist who's doing interviews, if he comes at me with things that are just not factual, I have to correct him. Yeah. It's my like as somebody who covers the sport, I feel like that's my duty. Yeah. But I mean, I a lot of journalists would have just agreed with him and just went with him. So that's yeah. where, you know, as a journalist, you did the right approach. Yeah, I, I thought it was amazing. So credits to you. And Dana White released the numbers of uh, of what he paid Chuck Liddell for his last couple of fights. Um, he made it available to the public. But there's little footnotes at the bottom that have some information about it. And one of the the key points was that the linear pay per views did seventy do seventy percent of the traffic versus thirty percent digital. And the reason why that's there is because when Oscar says we had huge digital, digital. numbers. The proof is in the pudding that linear numbers, numbers and digital numbers have are related. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I I don't know. I personally I uh, like I I, th- I don't I think that maybe Dana's campaign against Oscar might have been derived from the different interviews that Oscar was doing, both the one he did with me and uh, or the the kid from Canada, as Dana the, says, the, the or the uh, or the show. You know, the first. Uh, First up, no, first take rather. We have a show here on TSN Radio called First Up, and now there's First Up and First Take, and I, I get confused confusing, all the time. Yeah. But the first take interviews and the uh, Get Up interview was it Get Up? Something like that. I think Oscar was on that show too, and they just don't know how to respond to what he's saying because they don't know. It's not their yeah. it's not their fault. Yeah. I don't fault them for it. Well, I mean, maybe with time it could be better. I'm defending him as much as, but I mean, yeah. He's not the right face for it. No. I mean, get Tito Ortiz. Make him the face of the company, if anything. And now Dana wants to debate with Oscar De La Hoya. Be... I'll tell you this. Put that on pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm more into that. <laughs> put that on pay-per-view. Make it nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. 
put it on ESPN Plus. Get some get some uh, some some more monthly monthly buys. I just don't know why Oscar doesn't want to stick to boxing, which is on a huge rise right now. Boxing's huge right now. Yeah, it's everywhere. Boxing is massive, especially in the U.S. And especially like with Wilder. Canelo's and making Fury. three million dollars for this fight this weekend. What does he need to dip his foot in M- toe in MMA for? Because MMA is getting oversaturated too. Yeah. Like you said, is it one a personal just ego with, thing? Yeah, one just signed to deal with Turner. Bellator's on the zone. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, the PFLs doing stuff on NBC Sports. UFC is now on ESPN Plus. Like the UFC, the MMA space isn't shrinking; it's growing now. Yeah. And even I think One FCs with Turner channels. Yeah, they just signed with Turner. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, Ryzen is still needs a still digital need platform. To, yeah, Glory's working on something. Marshall Zelanik won't tell me, so <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. He said he had big surprises that he'll let us know soon, but right. I, I'm not even getting any inside scoop, but something's coming nice for us. So. Well, hopefully it's something with ESPN+. Plus. I hope so. Because to me, ESPN+, Plus is one of the best value propositions yeah. in the world. If you look at it for five bucks a month, you're getting all the ESPN Insider articles. You're getting uh, fantasy football uh, tips. You're yeah. getting all of this stuff. That uh, is worth $5 a month, even if you're not getting the live content. Have they really. discussed the Canadian buys of it? Of which? Of the ESPN app. We won't get it, We don't right? get it. So, so you'll have to, I mean, well, why don't another I, conversation. Why don't we use this as a, as a prelude to our next conversation? So the uh, UFC has extended the partnership with TSN multi-year deal. Boom. Um, yeah, we're excited about that. But uh, to clarify exactly what is going to be on Canadian television, I've spoken to David Shaw, who's the, the vice, senior vice president of international content for the UFC, and here's how it shakes out. So one thing that people are asking is, uh, does the Fight Network still have involvement? And they do not. So the Fight Network is not part of this new deal. So RD, no RD longer, SMT, nothing yes, will be on Fight nothing Network. Nothing will be on Fight Network. Okay. I don't know if they're if they I still Because I sometimes have to... used to watch prelims that you yeah. never had. It was, like, right. very rare, but, yeah. So okay. on TSN, you're going to get Dana White Contender Series. That's going to be new to TSN. Okay. Yeah, will be on That's TV. Cool. Uh, all the ESPN Plus cards are going to be on TSN, on television. So you don't need any sort of platform or app or anything like that. You can watch it on the TSN Go app if you're a cable subscriber or the, TS, uh, the TSN Direct app if you want to just get TSN. Um, you will get uh, all the late prelims of every event. Um, so they have the Fight Pass prelims, and then they, they call that the early prelims, and then the late prelims are the televised prelims. So yeah. all the televised prelims will be on TSN. Yeah, Fight um, Pass will still have the first two or three fights exactly. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. There will be eight exclusive Fight Pass cards that we will not have. They will not have. We will not have. You will need to have Fight Pass for those. Okay. And uh, all the pay-per-view prelims will be on TSN. Okay. So um, we don't the, the miss late, out on, late, we got everything. The late prelims. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's basically this uh, very similar package to what Fox just had. Yeah. Um, the only difference between our package and the new ESPN package is that ESPN does not have any Fight Pass exclusive events. The ESPN Plus has all of those, I believe. They'll even get the Fight They'll Pass. They'll get the Fight Pass yeah. exclusive ones. And... Um, this apparently is not finalized, but one thing that they said initially was that if you subscribe to ESPN Plus for five bucks, for an additional five bucks, you'd get Fight Pass in the U.S. So basically, for the price of Fight Pass, Fight you're Pass, you're getting Plus. both. Yeah. yeah, but that's not confirmed from what I understand. Yeah, hmm. still, still pretty cool though. Well, still good for us. Absolutely. Thank you, TSN. Yeah, makes it easier for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, there you go. So we're uh, we have that extension. We're really, really super excited about it. Uh, expect the same kind of coverage that we've been providing. Features from Robin Black on SportsCenter, on-site coverage from yours truly, and uh, really blowing up the bigger events that, uh, that happened with uh, you know, Darren Detition on, on location and things of that nature, plus this podcast. So uh, thanks to everybody for, uh, for their support with, uh, with this. I, we couldn't do it without you guys. And uh, apparently uh, the, you know, the coverage that we've been providing goes a long way. So uh, thank you. Um, 
what else do we got? We got updates on uh, McGregor, Aldo, and GSP. So Aldo, as I mentioned earlier, the update on him is that he's going to be likely fighting Hanato Moicano in Fortaleza in February. You know, if Moicano wins, I imagine he'll get the next shot at the title. Yeah. But um, I don't know what happens if Aldo wins. He still hasn't had much, like, steam behind, you know, promoting him, Moicano. Well, he was the backup for this event at 231. If anything was going to go wrong, he was going to fight Which, I I mean, I want to bring up because I think it's ridiculous. He's getting all this, oh, he didn't make weight. He was the reserve. I was like, why, if he knew they were on track, why is he going to kill himself for one pound? Well, because it a was lot of 146. Said, a lot of people said he wasn't going to get paid if he missed that yeah. pound. He ended up getting paid. Thankfully. But even Holloway was saying, he's like, I don't blame the guy. Yeah, like, come course. on. It's like, he's not motivated to cut that extra pound in the yeah. sauna. And it's like, it's <laughs> well, not he, happening anyway. He came out for the last minute. And uh, they said um, they said that he had another another two hours to cut that last pound. And Ariel was doing his uh, live, the live stream with Brett Okamoto. And Ariel goes... I think we need to wrap this up. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze here. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, sitting yeah. around waiting. And I said it was like, you know, you know how there's an understudy of plays. What do you mean? By like that? when you watch a, a musical, there's an understudy. So in case anything happens, to okay, the lead yes, 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 yeah, right. it was like if the understudy showed up sick, but the lead was fine. The lead was fine. Yeah, <laughs> so like, it's geez. kind of a, a moot point. But yeah, they definitely should have paid him. It was and they the did. Right decision. And Dana White said that, that they did. Yeah. So, uh, good but on, I mean, good on I him for just that. feel he needs some. Uh, now that he's in talks of these big fights, he needs that. You know, promotional train behind him to help get us to know who he is more. Absolutely. Um, so McGregor, the update with him is John Kavanaugh said he might not be training McGregor any longer. He says he's going to base it on what McGregor's next move is. He wants he wants to train McGregor for a fight that he thinks is the right fight for McGregor. But apparently, one thing I had read is that they haven't spoken since the fight. So I don't know what's going on there. Interesting. Um, but that's the latest from McGregor. So I don't expect to see Conor McGregor in the Octagon anytime soon. And if and if he is going to be in the Octagon, it might not be with John Kavanaugh. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, George St. Pierre was on the Luke Thomas show. And uh, he was... This is the thing with GSP that I, I don't get. Is GSP was talking about certain fights, about the Anderson Silva fight. He said that he was offered Anderson Silva twice when he was champion. But uh, he wanted it to be at a catch weight and he wanted uh, there to be voluntary uh, doping testing yeah. with VADA. Um, but... GSP said uh, he wants to take a fight that um, he's got more to gain than he has to lose. Yeah, what fight is that? that? But what fight is that? No, no, that's just the question. Khabib. Uh, yeah, basically. Just Khabib. name another fighter where it would benefit George Moore. Well, if I he think won he would he take lost. Connor. I think he would do Connor. He, he hasn't been mentioning Connor lately. Yeah, I mean, I I, you would I, think he. would. I don't think Connor wants that fight after no. what he what happened with him with Khabib. No, I mean it'd still be a better fight, but I still think. Uh, that might wake up GSP, but who knows? But other than, yeah, there's not it's much. Just Khabib. Just Khabib. And I don't think they want to tie up that division with GSP. Let's say GSP comes out and beats him, and then they've got no champion Now again. what? Yeah. yeah. At least you could put together a pretty cool tournament. There's tons of guys at lightweight. Um, but so is, has he mentioned anything about Ben Askren? He probably wants him to win I asked, a bit more. I asked Faraz about Ben Askren at the, at yeah, the event. Maybe a few more UFC wins yeah, before Faraz anything? said... Askren's interesting, but they want to see Askren beat like an Usman or somebody big before before anything and, and build his profile before. They but do you think like they're that. just doing this to stay in the picture? Like, I mean, because it seems like GSP doesn't even know what he wants to do. He's yeah. kind of just more like, "Hey, I'm going with the flow," but he's also like, "I'm getting older." Yeah. And you tell me this as as a fighter, if your mentality is after a big tra- a great day of training, you want to fight, but when you go to bed at night or wake up in the morning, you don't you're not interested. Should you be out there? Because that's what George is saying about himself. Yeah, what do you mean? You should you be out there? Like, should should you take a fight if that's your mentality? If that's your mentality, 
I just think you're always like that. Even if when you're in your prime of your shape, you know, during the day you feel great at night. You're like, man, what am I doing? Yeah. You know how many nights I went to bed? I was like, I'm such an idiot. What am I? I'm <laughs> going to go fight someone with 100 fights in Turkey, right, tomorrow? I was like, what am I thinking? Like, I mean, that's the hardest part, going to bed thinking, you know, that's when your brain thinks the most. Oh, you know? before the day before a fight. But well, all George, of them. I think we're just talking about every day. Like, oh, just yeah. every day he wakes up and he doesn't, he's not super interested. Yeah. I mean, look but how long maybe, he's been maybe part that's of the, the mentality. Game. He I don't trains. Know. He doesn't like, he says, he doesn't like to fight. He likes the whole, it sounds good, it sounds fun, but once you really sign a fight, you can sleep well, you can feel good, you can be, as soon as you have a fight in like eight weeks, like you're, you just get stressed, it's that nervousness that sucks. Fighting's not fun. The winning part is fun, that's the fun part. I mean, the fight, the, the stress, the, the in your mind, the tricks that your mind plays, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it absolutely. is one of the hardest things you can do. So, I mean, I don't blame anyone who there's there's probably champions who still probably throw up before they fight. You know, there's oh, so sure. much nerves and anxiety and stress. It's, it's terrible. It's a terrible feeling. That's why when you're done your fight, it's that's the biggest relief. Is like we're done. I don't have to be stressed anymore. <laughs> then they call you. We need you in three weeks. Yeah, that's <laughs> what, I would never be that kind of fighter. Either. Yeah, I can't do that. Um, UFC Milwaukee, the final card on Fox is this uh, this coming weekend. Great card too. Yeah, it's an, it's a solid right, card. I mean, I don't know if it's super if it's really Fox caliber. I mean, they've had a lot of bigger fights on Fox, but uh, it, it is I the last one. It's a one. fun card. I like it, it. I think there's a lot of depth in the card, but I don't know from top to bottom. If you yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. The debut of Juan Adams, I'm very excited for. Um, Jared Gordon's always a fun fighter to watch with a great backstory. Um, Andrea Lee. The camp that she's had must uh, must have is gonna. I don't know how she's gonna get through this particular fight uh, because yeah, I, I, um, Lee. Um, she's had a lot of problems with uh, the situation with her husband. Yeah, and we, we talk about that in the interview um, that I that I did with her. It's a very difficult interview. It's very difficult to ask somebody about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You never want to. I saw well, Jessica you, Rose yeah. Clark was in. Uh, yeah, she's always in Vegas. She's yeah. in Vegas. I saw mm-hmm. her at the institute. Yeah, uh, debut of Dwight Grant. That should be uh, that should be cool. Um, and of course, I can Lee. I'm looking forward to. I always love watching Kevin yeah. Lee fight. I mean, Jim Miller, Charles Oliveira is fun. Yeah, I think it's a it's a bad matchup for Jim Miller, but I mean, especially now and in how late in his career. But yeah, actually, I forgot to mention that Charles Oliveira is my favorite fighter to watch in the UFC. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, Charles Oliveira to me, he's one of these guys where. He's either gonna choke you out like yeah, quickly, live or, or, die he's gonna, or, or he's just gonna gas out and lose. I'm I'm um, interested in Barboza Hooker, man. That's I think a great that's fight a, too. A phenomenal very fight. fight. Yeah, Rob Font versus fight. Pettis, I think, is a great fight as well. Yeah, you know, I was watching the Road to the Octagon, and Barboza's back at the American Top Team because he just didn't want to be there in the winter in New Jersey. <laughs> he's yeah, like, yeah. it's like it's brutal for my family. <laughs> we yeah. don't like the cold. Fair. It's too cold. It's like okay, well, that's an interesting reason to to jump to a new camp, but. Fair enough, and he, he had also lost two in a row uh, when training in New Jersey. So, but Barboza is such a dynamic fighter. Oh, so he's fun to watch. And Dan Hooker's been on a tear. He's since been killing it. I mean, and especially row. now with uh, the hype that Israel Adesanya is getting, and them yeah. being training partners, it all just reflects. And you know, Hooker's getting a lot of attention. I think his last win was with like a, a flying knee or something, wasn't it? Or yeah, some on, uh, big uh, knee Gilbert or, Burns. Yeah, I don't know if it was a flying knee or some sort of knee, yeah. uh, some sort of knee finish. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I'm, I think those the the top last four fights are the ones I'm really pumped for. Yeah, the main card. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, and that that airs uh, this Saturday. The prelims at 5 p.m. Eastern. Main card at 8 p.m. Eastern on TSN five. And I think the the main card is also on CTV two. Um, so uh, before we uh, get into our preview for that particular event, let's uh, go to our first guest, who's in the main event of this particular card. He was our first guest ever on the TSN MMA show, 
And is, uh, on this uh, episode of the TSN MMA Show, he's the Motown phenom Kevin Lee, and he joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. All right, I'm pleased to be joined now by the individual who was actually the first guest on the show uh, some 60 episodes ago. It's uh, the Motown phenom Kevin Lee headlining the last ever fight card on Fox this Saturday in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So, Kevin, the last ever Fox card, does that have any meaning to you? I mean, you know, it's a, it's a piece of history. So uh, it, it's big for me, um, especially being a kid that, that I'm a kid from Detroit. You know, I remember when we only had channels two, four, six, and seven. Uh, and now to, to, to be the marquee on that, it, it's going to be big. I think it's, you know, it's showing people a, a piece of the future, too. Uh, they picked the right man for that because uh, we just getting started. Today is the three-year anniversary of something. Do you know what it is? No, no. What, what's that? It's one of the darker days in your career where uh, you lost to Leonardo Santos. Since then, you've gone on a, a pretty amazing streak of a 6-1 and one, uh, win streak. Take us from where you were back then, three years ago, fight with Leonardo Santos. I think it might actually be the last time you fought, to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just in a different place. Uh, you know, that was one of those fights. You, you learn more from the losses than you do the wins, I think. Uh, you know, and, I, and I've only had a few in my career. Um, but that was one of the ones that, that taught me not to underestimate anybody. Uh, you know, I, I, I went into that fight. I, I honestly could not see a way uh, that Leonardo was going to win that fight. Um, you know, he was very, very good on the ground. But other than that, you know, I, 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 I can hold my own there. Um, but, you know, I went into that fight as a 10-to-1 uh, favorite, and I kind of carried that into the fight. I, you know, I, I thought that uh, everybody was waiting on on me just to knock the guy out and and, and i just did downplay my defense a little bit uh i've fought much much tougher fighters since then uh much better stand-up fighters especially um and and, and you've seen the results so uh that's something that that uh, i had to learn early you know you you sometimes you can just got to do it on a big stage um this is going to be one of the fights uh my first rematch with al that's really going to show how much i've grown since since that since that guy you know i was a kid back then yeah, it was your first ever fight in the UFC uh, nearly five years ago. Uh, the unanimous decision loss. You were a pretty big underdog, and I think it was a short-notice fight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now here you are again with Ally Akinta Part 2. You had mentioned uh, to Luke Thomas this week that you feel like your game has grown so much while you don't feel his game has grown uh, as much, I guess, so to speak. So uh, do you stand by that? You, you don't think that Al has improved all that much since uh, you last faced him? Yeah, no, I think Al is what he is. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a very tough guy. Uh, he's going to stay in there the whole time. He, he's going to continue trying to win the fight. But, you know, I just don't think he has as many tools. Uh, he, he's going to keep pushing forward. He's going to make it a fun fight. Uh, he, he's going to eat a lot of shots, and he's going to get and keep coming. Uh, so he's going to make for a fun fight. But, yeah, I just don't see I, I just don't see nowhere in this game that he's improving. And, and, and I think that they know that, too. You know, I, I think his, uh, he, he, even his corner note, you know, in his heart of hearts, uh, the man just skill for skill. He, he ain't going to touch me. You use the term easy money a lot. You're number four right now. You've yeah. beaten the number five guy, Edson Barboza. Let's look at the top four above you. You got Khabib, yeah. Tony Ferguson, Connor, and Dustin Poirier. Rank, give me the easy money rankings from uh, easiest money to hardest money. If, if, that, if hardest well, money but, is even a term. <laughs> well, or. Well, right off the gate, let's throw Dustin Poirier out of there. I don't really think, uh, you know, I, I think it's ridiculous that he's even, you know, kind of in those talks. Uh, you know, he's in a different class, I feel like. He, he's not a title. Uh, 
if I'm saying the easiest money is obviously Conor McGregor. He, he, he'll be the one. You know, if after this one, for some strange reason, I need to prove it to people again uh, that I'm just better than Khabib. After I, after I beat Al better, may, maybe I'm just going to hit and do Conor again, uh, the same way. Um, he, he'd definitely be the easiest out of all of them, but he, he kind of always been that. Um, the, the, the toughest fight is going to be the winner of, of uh, uh, Khabib and Tony, and that's what I'm pushing for. Uh, either way, the, the, those guys are both, you know, they, they're the tough. I, I like the biggest challenges. So I think after this one, people are overlooking it. But this fight is for a number one contender spot, uh, and, and I'll be going after the, the winner of Khabib and Tony. The Tony fight to me is interesting, um, I, your fight with Tony at UFC 216, because you came into that with a staph infection. You almost beat Ferguson in the first round, and then in the third round you started to tire out, which of course is uh, you know a, a side of, a side effect, I guess, of having the staff infection. Uh, do you feel like you you need that second opportunity against Tony to show what you're really made of? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm not chasing one man. You know, I'm I'm chasing that title. Uh, I feel like one of them are either going to hold it because I feel like me and Khabib, we definitely have to get it too. Uh, you know, I've been calling that man out for years now. Um, and, and I just see, I just see, I got his number. So, uh, either one of those fights is great, but yeah, that, that Tony fight, it is something that I want to get back. Uh, I learned a lot about myself from that fight, you know, and not over pushing myself and not, not doing too much and, and, and just staying focused and staying in the fight the entire time. Uh, I actually learned a lot about, uh, about myself from that fight. So, you know, I, I would be, yeah, that, that's one of the ones that I definitely need to get back in order just to kind of see uh, uh, how much I've grown. But to be honest, I feel like I've already fought the best Tony Ferguson. Uh, when he came back against Anthony Pettis, he, he didn't look the same. Uh, he looked a little frail. So, you know, I'm not going to hold too much weight on that. You're also a big fan of the sport. You you, you watch everything that's going on around uh, the, the UFC sphere and the MMA sphere as a whole. The welterweight division right now, UFC 233, is completely up in the air in terms of what the main event will be. But there seems to be uh, four people whose names keep going around in the circle, which is Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman, and uh, the newcomer, Ben Askren. Now, we know that Woodley and Askren aren't going to fight each other, but what fight do you most want to see in that division? Uh, I'd be most interested to see, if I'm looking at it from a competitor standpoint, uh, Kamaru and, 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 uh, and Tyron Woodley is the most compelling fight there. Uh, that's the most fun fight. But if I'm looking at it from like a fan point of view, probably Tyron and, and Kobe, uh, just because the, uh, of of the history and, and the storylines and all that. There, uh, I feel like the fight will be a wash. You know, he, he's. I feel like Tyron will blow him out the water. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's an interesting time in that division. Again, I, I still feel like you know, like you said, there's such a log jam and they don't really know what to do with it. Uh, I feel like it's that that division is on borrowed time. I feel like it, you know they they're, they're going to definitely institute a 165-pound and 175-pound division uh and all those guys can can kind of go bump up to 175 maybe Kobe might go down to 65 uh out of those out of those four you mentioned but you know we we'll, we'll see how that whole thing shakes out I spoke to Dana White last week when he was here in Toronto and he said there's absolutely no plans to make a 165-pound division have you heard otherwise uh why do you think he has such a reluctance to make a 165-175 pound division I haven't heard otherwise, but you know, I just feel like it's 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 the most logical thing, uh, and especially when you talk about the progression of the sport. Uh, you know, as the sport gets bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, you, you're just going to see it's it, it's going to be a necessary thing. And I mean, it's it's just a benefiting everybody across the board. 
why they have such a such a, a reluctance. I think uh, from the conversations that I've had with, with with people, that is that it just it just creates too much work for them. And to me, that's not enough of a reason. To me, that's uh, you know we we're talking about our health and safety and 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 not only that, but but you'll get better fights out of the deal. You'll get you'll get just get so much uh, in in the in the plus column. That seems like such a minor thing to uh, to, to to worry about, but. You know, I ain't gonna tell no man how to do his job. I'm just gonna do what I do. There's a flip side to that, though. I mean, with flyweight potentially going away, the UFC doesn't have a title fight for UFC 233, at least not one that they've announced. They're always looking for title fights to either be a headliner or co-main event on these different cards. More divisions opens that up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you get more top ten guys. Uh, you get more uh, more champions. Uh, again, you you could take, and I think someone has done this too. Uh, they've taken 155 and 170. And, and have definitely shown that you can have a, a three divisions, each with a top 15. That that's a worthy top 15. I mean, even if you look at at lightweight right now, uh, you got a lot of guys without a ranking next to their name, and and, and they're very very tough guys and could be champion. Uh, you know, you, it, it's it. I mean, if if I'm being honest, it's ridiculous at this point. But you know, what what else can I do except do what I do? Uh, either way, even if. Say if they if they opened it up in January, I'm still going to be at 155 because I got unfinished business here, uh, especially with the two guys that 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 claim to be at the top. I'm going to ask you the generic question that everybody gets asked when they miss weight on their previous fight: How are you sure that you're going to make uh, weight this time around? What what have you done to uh, to make sure that you're going to be uh, at 156 pounds uh, this Friday morning? The, the biggest uh, the biggest challenge that I had going into, especially in that last one, you know, not, not a lot of people understand how it works. Uh, is just, you know, I was cutting until nine fifty nine. You know, they allow us until ten o'clock to weigh in. Uh, you know, I, it was just a, a, a timing issue that we ran into. Uh, for this one, I, I've hired a nutritionist uh, that works with George Lockhart. Um, his name is Tyler Mitten. Uh, he, he's worked with a lot of t- uh, top guys before. Uh, DC being one of the biggest ones. And, you know, he, he just he knows what he's doing and he's going to time it out for me a lot easier, uh, kind of take that away from it. So I'm very confident. We, we, we're all very confident that uh, weight won't be an issue in this one. Yeah, when you have Tyler Minton, that's, uh, that's always a good sign. He's, he doesn't mess around that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he knows <laughs> what he's doing. So, you know, he, he, he's been with me for uh, uh, about a week now and, you know, cooking everything for me and, you know, doing the whole thing. So I, I'm confident. I, I'm focused only on the fight. You mentioned the timing issue, though, last time around. Did they not give you any additional time after you missed the weight? No, no, they didn't. And, you know, and that, that's one of the things. Going into these, uh, you know, into these different commissions, every commission has different rules. Uh, nobody really is telling you. You know, when it, when it happened in Vegas, uh, I got an extra hour in order to make the weight, and I did so uh, under – and it was much, much harder for me then. Uh, in this one, you know, not only did they not give me the extra time, but, you know, it, it seems like a menu uh, – uh, 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 something small to other people, but they didn't let me into the the weight room uh, where the sauna was at five o'clock, like how we, how they told me they would. Uh, I didn't actually get to start cutting until uh, close to six o'clock, uh, which takes out an entire hour out of my, and it just threw it through the whole process off. So when you when you have things like that happen, uh, you know, dealing with different commissions, dealing with hotels, and you know, not people not uh, doing their job right, I, I'm, I end up being taken to taking the slack, but I make sure that I, that I saw that this time. How elevated is the stress level when something, when you have even the smallest thing go awry during a weight cut? I mean, especially when you're just starting one, how much does that raise the stress level? Oh man, you should have seen me. I was pissed off. 
I was in, the, you know, we were sitting in the elevator at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, didn't sleep. The, it got like 30 minutes of sleep the night before. Uh, you know, I was sitting in the elevator and security was talking to me through the through the uh, security camera. And I mean, I, and I'm ready to fight, too, at that point. Uh, yeah, they, they, they're lucky they didn't come down there and tell me face to face that I couldn't get in. Because uh, otherwise, it probably we'd probably be talking about a whole different type of scenario right now. <laughs> yeah, they would have lost the main event. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, nah, they wouldn't have lost me. They would have lost some security guys. But uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we had to hide the bodies and, and go about our day. You would have had to. You had to have to do yeah, the security. You know, like when you when you don't pay at a restaurant, and they make you do the dishes. They would have made you have to do security while that guy recovered. Would have been your community yeah, service. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm from Detroit. I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna finesse my way out of anything if I can. Well, next time you're in New Jersey, uh, if they're gonna, you know, mess with you on the weight cut, you gotta. What you've got to do the next time you're in the cage is poke someone in the eye. Because in New Jersey, if you poke someone in the eye, they give the opponent like 20 seconds to say that they're okay. Otherwise, they lose by knockout. It's one of the weirdest commission rules. I don't know if they've changed that, but I remember being at a, a fight in New Jersey. Someone got poked in the eye, and they said, can you continue? And the guy said no, and the fight ended by KO. It's pretty unbelievable wow. how these different commissions wow. have all these weird rules. Yeah, I mean, oh, wow, okay, all right, well, duly noted. Yeah, keep, keep the, you know, when you're, when you're blocking shots, just casually keep those fingers out. You might get a warning or two, but you, you get that eye poke <laughs> in, it's an easy knockout, easy money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Easy money. Easy money. <laughs> I love it. In Wisconsin, have they gone over the rules with you there? Is there anything weird that we should be looking out for? Uh, not that I know of, uh, except, you know, I, I know that the, that uh, there's this weird – I think Wisconsin is the last commission with a with an absolutely zero po- uh, tolerance policy on, on CBD and THC, uh, which is – you know, when they sent that to me about a month ago, it, it just seemed so – ridiculous and so you know so backwards uh it, it really didn't make any sense but you know and and i think everybody kind of is on the same page with that that's why they they, they kind of uh make sure that they tell us up front uh just how how stupid and ridiculous and you know kind of medieval that that rule is you have a pretty interesting... that's the only that's the only big thing that i know so far you have a pretty interesting um, win on your under your belt. You're one of, I think, only like four or five people to beat somebody in the UFC with the name Magomed in their name. You beat Magomed Mustafayev. I looked up uh, all the records of people that, that have the name Magomed, like Khabib Nurmagomedov and Magomed Bibulatov. There are very few people with that name that have lost in the UFC, and you're one of the people to beat them. Yeah, and I mean, and it was for, you know, it, it, everything I do is by design. Uh, you know, and I made sure in that fight that I out wrestled the kid too, uh, just because people think that that these uh, these Dagestanis are such good wrestlers and all this. So uh, I made sure everything I do is is full of message, and you're gonna see that again on Saturday when uh, when I get in there with Al. Well, we're looking forward to it. It's the uh, the rematch of your UFC debut. You guys are both at completely different points in your career. Al's fought for the title. You fought for the interim title. Um, so it's uh, pretty cool to see the evolution. We'll see uh, which one of you has improved the most. Uh, Although that won't be, you know, it's not a matter-of-fact thing. Who knows what happens in a fight, but uh, we're looking forward to that. It's the last ever Fox card. It airs here in Canada on CTV2 and TSN. Uh, Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate your time. Always, always, my man. I appreciate it. That was Kevin Lee. He'll be facing Ally Akinta. So Kevin Lee's a pretty big favorite here, minus 300. I don't know if Ally Akinta... um, has gotten to be as good as Kevin Lee, like improved as much as Kevin Lee. Yep. But Ally Akinta is still a really tough out. Yeah. And he hits hard. And Kevin Lee, you know, when you saw Barboza hit him, 
He can get rocked. Um, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be comfortable laying these odds on, on Kevin Lee, but I like Kevin Lee. I think Kevin Lee will win the fight. Yeah, yeah me too. But uh, I think it's a little bit closer than that indicates. And I think um, I, Quinta's getting all of that uh, uh, hype from the Khabib fight, right? So, I mean... Um, is he, though? Is he just stylistically I, I don't know if he's did? getting hype or if, he's getting, if his stock has dropped because of that fight. Really? I, I felt like his stock went up after it. The fact that he stood in there, went to five rounds, had good moments where, you know... At one point, he was outstriking Khabib, you know, in the later rounds. So, um, I think he got. I think his stock went up after Khabib, to be honest with you, because no one expected him to to do that well. But I think Kevin Lee's just, he's you know the next basic title contender. So, I gotta say, easier win for Kevin Lee. I think he just grinds him. Yeah. So from one Lee to another, we'll go from Kevin Lee to Andrea Lee, who is also fighting on the card. Uh, a, a bit of a disclaimer: this was a tough interview to do. Um, so I will say. That uh, when you listen to it again, just just remember that she's gone through a, a lot of turmoil in her life in the last uh, couple months. Things are not easy, I'm sure, right now for Andrea Lee, um, and I don't know how much she wanted to talk in depth about what was going on in her life. She's focused on a fight right now, so I tried not to ask her too much about it um, because just out of respect to her and out of respect to the fact that she's got a fight this weekend and probably wants to focus her attention solely on that. Um, but that being said, of course, it is an important topic to discuss. So uh, I did start off the interview with that. So uh, with that in mind, here's Andrea Lee, KGB Lee, on the DSN MMA show. I'm joined now by Andrea KGB Lee. She's on the preliminary card against Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, in August, you had a situation uh, of uh, domestic violence against you uh, with, yeah. with your husband, Donnie Aaron. This must have been a very difficult time in your life. How have you been able to get through all of this um, and, and focus, I guess, refocus your attention on fighting? Um, well, for me, it's it's easy to do. Um, I just like to put things behind me and just move forward. It's just the easiest. It's just easier to do it that way. You know, you can't sit around and, and dwell on things. Uh, you have to move forward, and, and that's what I'm doing. What kind of support have you had in your life? I mean, obviously, with a child... Uh, you, I guess, have become a single mom at this point in time. What kind of support system do you have around you that's been able to help you with that? Uh, family, friends. Um, even still, you know, Donnie's family. You know, everybody, everybody's still very uh, supportive. And uh, Donnie is actually still very supportive. Um, you know, I just have to look forward and, and do what I know is important for me and, and my child you know can't feel sorry for myself for the rest of my life got to move forward <laughs> so when you say donnie's supportive is, is he still around uh no we haven't talked but i mean you know i have through word of mouth you know for family members his family you know they tell me that he's still supportive and he wants me to do well he wants me to win and he wants me to be successful okay well that's or- that's good to hear i guess from that perspective uh that you are getting that kind of support from, I guess, a distance. I, I imagine that uh, mm-hmm. he's he's probably not around. I, I I believe he's probably still wanted, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Do what? Still wanted on charges? Still. Oh, um, yes. But I'd rather not. You know, I don't want to like get all into all of that. You know. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand. Move forward. Talk about the fight. Yeah, absolutely. So Jessica Rose Clark. That's a very, very uh, difficult opponent. The women's flyweight division has some clarity. Finally, we have a, a new champion in Valentina Shevchenko. How close do you think a win uh, over someone like Jessica Rose Clark, a very, very tough opponent, uh, gets you to towards the top of the ladder? Uh, it's obviously going to be a, a big one for me if, if I get 
if I get the win. I believe that I will. Um, you know, like you said, she's ranked number nine. So if I win, I should move into either her spot or top eight, you know. Your, your last fight was fight of the night. Um, obviously, you, you are used to putting on very, very exciting performances based on what we've seen from Legacy and Victa and all of your previous fights. Um, we should expect more of the same, I imagine? Uh, definitely. You um, shouldn't expect any less. Are you, are you still training at the same gym? Will you have the same people in your corner for this particular fight? Uh, I am training with Tim Crater in Lafayette at Gladiators Academy. And I also went to Sacramento and worked with uh, Aston Ladd and Jim West. So um, Tim Crater and Jim West are going to be in my corner. And also um, someone I've always, who's always been a training partner and coach of mine, uh, Eric Sand, you know, he's going to be in my corner as well. I imagine the training with Aspen Ladd is probably uh, not an easy task. She's very big and uh, very strong and very motivated. But she's a great training partner. She is very big, very strong, uh, but she, she's really a great training partner, and we, we always get a lot of great work in with each other. Well, those are always the best ones. The best training partners are the ones that don't make it easy. Exactly. Yeah, very true. Um, so you're, you're out in Milwaukee now. Um, this is the last ever fight on, uh, on Fox. Uh, what does that mean to you? It's the last? Yeah, it's the last one on, Fo- on Big Fox, the last network show that the uh, UFC is doing as part of this deal. Oh, I did not know that. Well, in that case, I'm very, I'm very sad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, we will miss Fox Sports 1. <laughs> what about it will you miss? I said, well, I, I said I'll miss it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's moving to um, ESPN, right? Yeah, moving to ESPN. Yeah. So in the future, you'll oh. either be on ESPN Plus or ESPN. But in Canada, we're staying here at TSN. Okay. okay. Well, um, I'll miss you, Fox. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the KGB nickname come from? Uh, it just came from uh, my teammates and Donnie uh, coming up. They thought that I was Russian. And so they just started kind of picking on me, calling me KGB, and then it just kind of stuck. And, and now I'm KGB. I imagine when you started speaking with them, they didn't think you were Russian. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm definitely, yeah. I, well, not that I know of. Honestly, I mean, like, I don't really know my, my dad's um, background, that my heritage on my dad's side. So, you know, who knows? And they don't even know. So it's, it's possible. Well, they have those, uh, what, what's that company called? There's a company now where you, they take your DNA and they can trace back uh, your roots. I know. Are I you interested? Do that. I just haven't. I am interested. Yeah, I'd like to know. Well, maybe after this fight. I mean, I imagine this fight is probably uh, of, of your central focus right now, not, uh, not doing DNA tests. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done differently uh, for this particular fight to prepare? Is there anything that, that uh, you've, you've really changed up? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, my coaching is a lot different. Um, we haven't tried to change anything that... I already know and that I already do. You know, we're just trying to um, just improve and just uh, work on the skills that I do have and um, keep my cardio up for this this fight and, you know, work on just being aggressive and being calm and relaxed. In 2017, you, t- you fought four times. That's a lot. Um, this year, only once. Are you looking to get more active uh, next year? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, I know that, you know, with the UFC... It's not always easy to get that many fights within a year. 
Um, but you know, if I can at least get like three fights this this coming year, I would love I would love that. Four fights too, you know, if, if that's even possible. But um, I'd be happy with three. What did you think of the championship fight on Saturday, uh, Joanna versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko? What did you think going in, and what did you learn from watching it? Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it. I was in Miami. I was doing a. Um, I, I was at an event, and I didn't get to watch it. So. Are you gonna get? Are you gonna look back at it? I guess probably after this fight. I imagine you're probably not going to uh, overwhelm your, yourself with with other people's fights right now. Right, not right now, but I am going to look at it and uh, watch it. And I heard that it was extremely exciting. You know, I mean, it was exactly what I thought would happen. Um, but I do want to watch it. How do you think you match up against Valentina? I mean, Valentina, I imagine, is a huge step up for anybody in this uh, in this division. Oh, for sure. Um, I think that it would be, still be an exciting fight. Obviously, I have a lot of other fights that, you know, I would like to get in before um, stepping up to fighting her. But I do want to uh, match up with her, obviously, one day. Um, I think that it would be a great fight. I mean, I'm, I'm bigger than Ioana and... Um, you know, I'm very well-rounded, so, you know, I feel confident. There weren't a lot of fighters like yourself that were just strictly 125-pound fighters. Um, I know that someone like Jessica I, who was fighting at bantamweight that got to move down, was very excited. Uh, how cool mm-hmm. is it that, that you finally have this division in the UFC? When you found out they were bringing it in, what was your reaction? I knew that it was going to happen. I was just waiting. Um, I had been offered to go up and wait and try out for the ultimate fighter, but I... Did not want to do that. I am a true 125er, and I knew that eventually they would open it up. And I didn't want to like go up and wait and then risk losing a bunch of fights and getting kicked out. You know, so I mean, you have to just be very careful with the way that you, you know, you you handle your career. And I feel like I handled it the right way. It's the first fight on the P- the uh, late preliminary cards for uh, UFC in Milwaukee. The last ever fight on Big Fox. Uh, you can catch this on uh, TSN, both the, the the late preliminaries and the main card. Uh, we appreciate your time. Uh, Andrea, good luck this weekend against Jessica Rose Clark and, uh, and moving your way up that, uh, that ladder in the flyweight division. Pretty wide open, uh, aside from the champion. Thank you so much. That was Andrea KGB Lee. She's taking on Jessica Rose Clark this weekend at UFC Fight Night in Milwaukee. It's on Fox, the last ever Fox card. Before we go to our next guest, I wanted to ask you about this, Joe. So what do you think has changed the most during the Fox era for the UFC? What, what does the Fox era mean in the grand scheme of things now that they're moving on to ESPN? What do you take away from it? I think that hmm, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, what has it done? I think it got us on a, a mainstream platform, right? I mean, the I think a lot of people would relate Fox to football and and, and and producing some of the biggest sports we have in North America. So I think just having that platform alone was I think huge for the sport as a whole. Um, what has it done in general? That's that's tough. Um, I don't know where are you going on this. Let me let me hear what you got to say. Well, Luke Thomas asked this question on Twitter, and I, I thought long and hard about it. And my answer was that it took the UFC from being a fringe thing to being to being presented as more of a major sport. Yeah, hearing I, like yeah. the the NFL music, the NFL, the, yeah, that's the, what I would. That's Fox what, yeah. Sports music, but also uniforms. We got uniforms now. You've got drug testing. Uh, you've got the, uh, the the kind of debate panels before and after the shows, which is all other sports. Exactly, and, yeah. they're presenting the sport. In the same way that a major sport would be presented, and I mean, here's the thing. You know, I've got a son at home, eight years old. We watch TV all the time together. 
I still am not super comfortable with him watching commercials for the UFC. But the fact that there are commercials for the UFC and there are um, UFC replays in SportsCenter has kind of made mixed martial arts and combat sports a, a more of a mainstream yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. And, um, you know, I again, I, I'm not trying to... Uh, Play moral uh, police here, right? Because uh, you know it's just a, a preference. I don't. Let, there's a lot of things I don't let my kid watch. I don't let them watch stuff with guns. I don't let them play mm. video games with guns um, at eight years of old, uh, of age. But the fact that they are showing that kind of uh, you know something that a lot of people constitute as violence on, in a mainstream platform shows that the sports come a long way from being marginalized as this thing where it's guys you know just beating each other up and yeah. it's you know. That kind of thing, you know, like the gladiators. I think that it's made the sport more of a household thing and more of a, a normalized thing. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the way it's produced on that big network, has it changed the mindset of people? I would say definitely a lot better. Um, I still think fighting's in all of us, and no matter what. I mean, I, I look at the example, and I explained it to someone. Um, I watched it on Netflix. It was called, what was it? Um, no, it wasn't the last gladiators. It was. It's basically about. I know. The, which, I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was more of a recent one. Yeah. But it's like you go to a hockey game, and it's like it can be fine. And if one team scores, one's cheering, the other one's down. You know. But when every the most exciting part of any game would be when these two guys fight. I mean, and still, I think from it was called the, the Last Gladiators. Was it? Right. There was yeah. two of them. I watched two on there. Okay. One is called The Last Gladiator. I couldn't remember what the last one was, but it's mm-hmm. like fighting was the most exciting part of the game. Whether you knew hockey, you didn't know hockey, if you're just watching as a casual fan, when they started fighting, you automatically stood up on your feet. You got into it. You were cheering them on. I've been to Toronto District School Board hockey games where it was all elementary school kids. And basically, it was quiet. All of a sudden, they saw pushing. We, I saw, you know, four-year-old kids fight, <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Everybody loved it. I mean, it was just—it's a weird thing that we have deep inside of us. We're, you know, it's our guilty pleasure. So, yeah, Dana's always said fighting's in our DNA. It is, and and it's weird and it's tough to say, but I mean, that's where my career and guys like George Saint Pierre and. A lot of the the bigger role models of the sport have really pushed to show that, hey, we're not barbaric. There's systematic. There's science. There's hard work. There's a a mentality and philosophy behind it. You don't have to be a goon. You don't have to be an ex-convict to to be good in this sport. You don't need tattoos. You don't need a mohawk. So it's definitely getting better. I mean, they certainly help, though. They help. Yeah, having a tattoo in Mohawk. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, he looked tougher, <laughs> but I mean, it's. I think it's the perception is definitely slowly getting better. But I still think there's a lot of you know stereotypes and stigma behind it. But well, I was talking to um, my boss who runs uh, the senior producer of Sports Center, and uh, he was saying that he found it interesting to watch the strategy behind the fights. And from somebody who who doesn't watch a lot, like he barely watches, I found that pretty refreshing because usually people are just looking for the the knockout, yeah, the, blood. the knockouts and the blood. Yeah. But uh, I think that that's something that is starting to become understood about MMA yeah. is that there's a it's it's a chess match. It, there's a lot of strategy, and you know, if you give someone an inch, they can they can right. take a foot. And I'll be honest with you, and it sounds crazy to say because I watch fighting a lot. Every day, all day, that's my life, obviously. But I have a hard time now watching an NFL game after I know what's happening with CTE and and brain damage. And I have a real hard time watching football. I mean, at least fighting, it's, you know, you're trained, you can see it. It's not as, you know, maybe you're doing it three times a year. So it's a little bit of difference. But 
it's hard for me to watch these guys play after play, get their head smashed. I'll and say this though, they they have if you watch football now, they've really cleaned it up. Yeah, it's they, gotten they're, they're better. They're doing their best. They're making it's it. It's gotten better, but I, I have a hard it. time watching uh, it. But there's still the, the critics of it who are like, oh, they're really making the game soft. It's yeah. like, well. That's not exactly the same thing with the fighting in hockey. And I was like, and the thing was, and and, and they made a point in this documentary that I think was crazy. They said, look at the the, the main players of this era, the Sidney Crosby's, for example. Sidney Crosby has so many concussions because now players on the other team who tried to get that edge, that advantage on taking out the best player, have that shot at Sidney Crosby. But when Wayne Gretzky yeah. played, yeah. hey, you want to touch Wayne? Yeah. You're going to see what's happening. Yeah. coming to beat the crap out of you, you know? Yeah. And that stopped guys from wanting to hit and control. So, I mean, it did help the game and helped with concussions and it... So it's just it's a weird mentality. Well, the weird you thing know? is the fighting wasn't really the cause of the concussion no, because they're bare fists. Bu- it was going to the, the ice, and yeah. if you hit somebody bare fist in the head, your hand is probably going to hurt more than Before, the other guy's head. Yeah, I mean, punching, the, the concussions come from the hits. Yeah, so I mean, you're you're dipping your head to get a, uh, or you just quickly turn and you get smoked from the side and blindsided. Those are the ones that get you yeah. running into the boards, being tripped, and your head falls, you know, right, and your neck just crashes into the boards. I mean, that's where it is. But, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting when you think about that because back when they were getting fighting out of the game, I thought it was a good thing. Like, I thought that uh, the fighting was really the, the cause of all yeah, the— but it's but the, it the headed. It, no, you, it's not. The more that I know about fighting, the more you realize that getting hit with a bare fist to the head yeah. isn't going to necessarily you gotta have you consequences. Concussion. If there was no principal at the school, there'd probably be riots every day in elementary schools. But the fact of you going to the principal, uh-oh, I can't go to the principal. I'm going to get suspended. Or the fact that we have jails to put people in. You need consequences for your action. And even in sports, it's it's there. And it, I don't know, man. This this head injury in sports, just, it's crazy to me <laughs> to see. But uh, all in all, yes, back to your original question, I think Fox definitely did help at, you know, bringing the sport to, you know, new levels. And I think it was great. And, and yeah. it's a good step. It's cool, and now we'll see what would get even. You know what happens when it gets even bigger with ESPN. And Dana was saying today on on uh, first take, wait to see where this sport is in five years. Just yeah. watch. He sees it getting to yeah even bigger, bigger, bigger levels. levels. Yeah. But hasn't over the years viewership and kind of decreased slightly, or is a it, little bit? Is but it so plateaued? so have TV subscribers. Okay, yeah, right. Because so everything you got to take that into account. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I want to see this this sport grow. I want to see. Glory grow. I want you yeah, know. I want to see the whole space grow. Yeah. I mean, it's it's there. I think we're all, we're getting somewhere. Yeah, it's just a matter of the younger generation. The younger generation has to gravitate towards it, which I think they have. I mean, but you that, probably that ask said, most though, kids, the UFC's probably through younger generation is more popular than boxing. Mm-hmm. Where someone now, I think in, I would say UFC is probably. I mean, this is all just my speculation, but I would say. Probably from elementary school to high school, UFC is more popular than anything boxing. I don't. I think mm-hmm. kids know, even know Wilder yeah. and Fury fights, oh, or they'll know George St. Pierre. You know, they'll know John Jones. The thing the UFC has going for them is that if you look at what, like, what do you think their key demographic is? I think it's probably thirty-five to fifty-year-old males. I would say maybe and, slightly younger, and that's kind of. But that's kind of the last generation of 20s, television watchers. Twenty, you know? twenty to forty-five. Yeah, twenty into. Yeah, it's, and I think I think that those are the people that are loyal to watching it on TV rather than on like. You, you wouldn't platforms. even. Yeah, top demographics. I would yeah. say, high school kids. I don't know so, if the so high gonna, kids you're going to have an audience that keeps growing with the sport, which I think is really important. 
where like that's where boxing would probably have an older demographic because right. those when it was so popular are now in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And so they're the ones going. Pro- <laughs> they're the ones going to the OTT platform. Yeah, which older people don't know how to use. Yeah, that's true. They're gonna have to learn. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to our next uh, guest. He's in the co-main event. It's uh, Dan the Hangman Hooker. As I mentioned, he moves from featherweight to lightweight, and he's on a tear. He's yeah. four and zero in his last four. Fun to four, watch. Undefeated at uh, lightweight since moving there after losing to Jason Knight in the featherweight division. Uh, coming off a big win over Gilbert Burns, who won over the weekend against uh, Olivier Aubon Mercier yeah. in a pretty dominant fashion. So it just goes to show where Dan Hooker is right now in his career. Um, and he takes on Edson Barbosa coming off of back-to-back losses. This is a very, very important fight for the future of the lightweight division. Uh, and he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. Since moving to the lightweight division, he has won four in a row, now ranked 14th, but has a big opportunity to move up as he faces the fifth-ranked. Edson Barboza this weekend on the UFC's final card on Fox. Uh, Dan, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. I arrived in here in Milwaukee on Sunday evening, so I feel like I'm already adjusted to the time. Feeling sharp, ready to go. Excellent. Well, one thing I do want to say is congratulations. Uh, You and your uh, wife gave birth to a a little one. Yeah, I've got my uh, daughter Zoe. Uh, She's three weeks old now. I feel like that was the hardest part of the right week for me was uh, <laughs> was kind of leaving her at the airport. Yeah, that is difficult. That's very difficult. I mean, I've got uh, I've got a six week old of my own, and uh, I was covering the the fights here in Toronto uh, last week, and just having to uh, to go back and forth a lot is is a difficult task. Oh man! Congratulations to you as well, then. Thank you very much. Yeah, we were discussing it in Vegas uh, when you won your last fight with Gilbert Burns. We were going to race to see who uh, who uh, who was able to give birth first. And uh, I will say that my uh, my daughter uh, really wanted to win that as she came out six weeks early and was three pounds. Hey, holy <laughs> heck! Yeah, man, you put me all right. <laughs> so as I mentioned, Edson Barboza, fifth ranked. Uh, your ascension in the lightweight division has been rapid. Um, a win like this. I imagine that you believe it puts you right in the title contention. Yeah, well, that's when uh, you know that's that's where the top fifteen differentiates from the top five. Uh, you know, top fifteen is is getting up there. That's that's being recognised. But top five is you're definitely you know one or two fights away from the title, and you can start positioning yourself. So to get this opportunity uh, in my first fight as a ranked fighter is you know, I understand the magnitude of the, this, this position. Uh, if you beat uh, Edson Barbosa, good things seem to happen. Khabib beat him uh, in December, got a title shot next. Kevin Lee beat him earlier this year. He's headlining the final card on Fox this uh, this weekend. So uh, good things come to those who beat Edson Barbosa, as the expression goes. Yeah, well, he you know he is one of the elite guys in the division, one of the biggest names. You know, he's considered the best striker. So yeah, it's a it's a very highly regarded uh, fitter in the cat. And another uh, individual who's inching closer to a title shot is your uh, your teammate Israel Adesanya. He's fighting in a couple months uh, as the co-main event uh, on a card headlined by uh, an Australian, Robert Whitaker. So this part of the world, uh, Oceania, is doing a you know a really really well as of late in MMA. What do you think is the uh, the reason for that? Uh, yeah, I can only speak for our team specifically. You know, with the, we had Kai France make a great debut. Uh, only. Two weeks ago, or a week ago, so yeah, I can only speak for our team as, as City Kickboxing and and the the hard work that our coaches, you know, I, I put it down to our coaches 
for sure above and beyond um, anything else is why we are successful um, the way we, that we are now. You mentioned Kai Kara France, and he had, like you mentioned, a spectacular debut uh, in the UFC's flyweight division, but this flyweight division might not be around for a while, so what are his future plans like? Have you discussed that with him? Yeah, he's he's pretty positive. I, I think they'll, they'll just let the division breathe for a while. You know, there's, there's a bunch of new blood that they got coming through. They just gave him another fight, so I feel like if he was cracking the division, um, he's got a great chance to make a name for himself. He, he has many options. I feel like he could easily compete at bantamweight. Most of his one-punch knockouts are up at bantamweight, so I, I don't think that that's... Uh, a big issue, he'd probably prefer it a bit more. Uh, gets to eat a bit more south right camp, so he can roll with the punches uh, regardless of what happens to the division. In and, out, in and out of the cage. Pardon? In and out of the cage, he's rolling with the punches. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the flyweight division, a lot of people thought that uh, there was a good shot it went away, but as you mentioned with Kai and his, his fight being announced, that fight is in February, so... It, that's a really good sign for those at flyweight that maybe this division's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, oh, I think um, you need. Yeah, Joseph Benavides had the best, um, you know, breakdown of the flyweight division I've seen. Where he he said you just need to give it time to breathe. You know, they they had the you know, longest reigning champion uh, in history, and he'd been the one champion. So he kind of put a put a kind of halt to the division. Uh, and he was saying it was the same when Anderson Silva was the king of the division, and he ran out of contenders. You know, it kind of it made the division very stale. But obviously, we've seen since uh, Anderson's departure from the lightweight uh, from the middleweight division, it's just a hotbed. You know, now you've got these these top top eight guys, top six guys that on any given day could um, take the belt, and it makes it far more exciting. So I think we're getting that now. It was Benavides, Cejudo, TJ coming down. I, I don't think the division's going anywhere. Looking at your UFC career, when you were at Featherweight, you were one win on, one win off, pretty much. It was back and forth between uh, wins and losses. That started all the way back in 2014. You you go back up to lightweight, you're on a tear. Uh, two first-round finishes, one second-round finish, one third-round finish. You're doing it all right now in the division. Do you almost feel like that time at the beginning of your UFC tenure was almost wasted based on the fact that uh, you were fighting in a division where you weren't getting your optimal performance? Yeah, but I learned a lot of hard lessons um, being down there and, and a lot of lessons that I remember to this day, not not just with the weight cutting, but you know, dealing with being on the big stage of being in the UFC and, and the different kind of situations, the travel. So I feel like that was... Down a featherweight was my um, bit of a development process. You know, it's not just the weight that's changed. I've changed, you know, my training. I've changed um, a magnitude of things around around me. So the weight is just one of them. But now it's it's a fresh start up at lightweight. And, and it's gone well so far. We'll see if that can continue. When you look at the rest of the division, is there anybody that stands out to you as someone who... Uh, you think you match up favorably with uh, in the top ten? Uh, I have a few names on my mind, but uh, I'm focused on the task at hand. You know, I can't, I can't take my eyes off the pros, which is Edson Barboza for a second. You know, I'm focused on him as an opponent. I'm focused on that fight. 
and Shalika uh, Dajazan. I definitely have um, some names that I would uh, look at fighting. So you've got the cards in your hand. You're just not going to show them until you win the fight. Hold on. I play them pretty close to my chest. <laughs> There he is, Dan Hooker. Uh, thanks for your time, Dan. Uh, a really, really solid card. It's the final UFC on Fox card. Uh, and uh, you, sir, are, uh, are on the main card in the co-main event against Edson Barboza. Should be an incredible fight in the lightweight division. Thanks for your time. Thank you. That was Dan the Hangman Hooker looking to continue his streak of winning in the UFC. Four in a row, looking to make it five in a row. And this is, a, this is a pretty interesting card from top to bottom. I, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm very excited about the uh, debut of Juan Adams. He was on the show recently. Just a really huge guy. Cuts to make 265. Wrestling background. I think he's got a really bright future uh, in the heavyweight division. It's nice to see some younger blood in the uh, heavyweight division, and he's one of those guys at the forefront. Um, but like you mentioned, this is a really good card top to bottom in terms of uh, entertainment level, I think. Yeah, I think you got, like I said, that main card is incredible to me. Yeah, I really sure. like the top four. I'm interested in, you know... Bobby Green's always fun to watch. And having just seen, you know, um, Rose Clark, Jessica, at the, at the Institute, I'll probably be into watching her fight with Lee. So a few fights I, I'm keeping my eyes on. All right, well, uh, let's take a look at uh, this card and break down our picks. So right now, our last uh, card was that we picked against each other was uh, the UFC in Argentina. I took Cynthia Calvillo for uh, plus 13 and a half. And you took Ricardo Lamas, who was only a minus, who was a minus 200. So yeah. you get, uh, oh, actually, you should be getting, I, I, missed, I made a mistake. I think you should be getting plus eight, maybe? Yeah, maybe it's plus eight, not plus five. Well, I'll take a look at that later um, and, and correct that. But uh, right now I'm at 140 and 55, and I think you're at 94.75, so I, yeah. made a, I made a mistake. We're not there. doing too bad, though. Thinking that we yeah. started with 100 and you're up Actually, 40 I think bucks. I, am right. I think you do make five. I think you do make five on a minus 200. I'm just terrible at math. We'll, we'll look it up. But uh, yeah, we're not bad. Give, yeah, given that it started at 100 and I'm at 140, not bad. Yeah, there you go. But I got some catching up to do. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to work on that. Well, I'm, I'm going to do two underdog picks. And you're going to parlay them, right? So I'm going to parlay them and see what we can do. All but right. uh, I'm going to start, and I hate saying this because I just hung out with him this weekend, but um, I got to go with odds. Uh, Sergio Pettis to beat Rob Font. Uh, plus 150. I need plus money here. And I think Sergio, I know he's moving. Uh, he said he's moving up. But, uh, yeah, I think Sergio's got the skills. I'm confident in him. And uh, the other one, I'm going to go with a plus 210, Bobby Green. I'm going to rely on his boxing, his ability to move in and out. Um, let's go Bobby Green. So those That's are my parlays. Plus 675 if you're successful. All right. So what would so that you'll, So you'll add 67 uh, dollars to your total. You'll be so at you 100. Go. You'll be like on 158. So then I got to just hope you don't get this pick. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I'm going to uh, do a parlay as well. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, Juan Adams Oops, and uh, Jared Gordon. I've decided. I changed my mind on uh, what I was going to do. But I'm going to go Jared Gordon and Juan Adams. And uh, Jared Gordon and Juan Adams pays, I think it's like around plus 115. Uh, let's take a look here. So we got Jared Gordon and Juan Adams. Yeah, plus 105. So it's basically even money. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to go with. So if you win, you'll be at 150. Then that means we're almost yeah, like tied. Yeah, 154. So you'll be up by. Oh no, 150. Right, 150.55. Yeah. So if you win, you'll be right in the game. That's it. Yeah. I mean, of course, hitting two underdogs is not easy. It's but, not easy, but, but sometimes, I'm confident. You, sometimes you go with it, right? Bobby Green and Sergio Pettis. Let's do it. Absolutely. So that's uh, those are our picks for uh, this particular card. 
So, Joe, no more glory for the rest of the year. Yeah, we're done for the year, which is nice. I need a break. I need to stay away from an airplane for a little bit. I don't want to be jet-lagged. I just want to be at Bazooka Kickboxing Training, and so should you. Are you closing for Christmas at all? Uh, yeah, we, we take about a week off. But okay. uh, a week off for general members, I'll still be training. Yeah, you'll be like, there. My ideal Christmas would be to train on Christmas. I'd, I'd, that's, see, that's what Santa separates Claus, the men from the boys. That's it. I'll <laughs> wait in the morning. I'll have my... Christmas breakfast. Santa, I'll open Santa Claus's gift that he got for me this oh, year. Awesome new gloves. I was a good boy. New yeah. mitts. Wow. Yeah. Then I want a to new use. Mouthpiece. Yeah. I want to use that <laughs> in train. So right away, I'd go right to the gym after the Santa Santa's openings. And that's it. What's uh, Santa's take on beating people up? I don't know. We'll find. Uh, I don't know what it is. I've been good though. I haven't really beaten up anyone this year. That's that's true. I've behaved. I'm yeah, absolutely. good. Except for the people that you criticize on the broadcast, and then they're upset with you. Then they're always upset with yeah. me. Never. Uh, I'll forever be hated by half of the people. But slowing down for the UFC right now, we've got two events from now, or, well, actually, after this week, you'll have two events until February. You've got one December 29th. You've got UFC 232. That's the big one, yeah. Yeah, and then you've got uh, UFC's first ESPN card on January the 19th. And then That's all in January. One card. Yeah. So I, I did some math, and... January accounts for 27% of the weekends that we don't have a UFC card in, for the entire year. So, like, more than more than a quarter of the amount of uh, non-UFC because, weekends yeah. are all in January because UFC know. 233 got canceled. I don't know if Glory's on the same thing, but, yeah, January's been a, is going to be a slow fight month. Yeah. You guys you guys don't have anything in January, Nothing. Right? Yeah, wow. February 1st would be our, so our first like one. you got, six weeks off. I know. Sounds crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. I was honestly going every other weekend for probably half of the year because yeah. we had to jam it was in. slow, I remember, at the beginning of last year, too, if yeah, I recall. There's, there's a couple of times, yeah, we start slow, and then they got to make up their 14 shows or the 12th mm-hmm. to 14. So then it's like, let's go, 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 which, I mean, go, go, go is amazing because it's kickboxing and I love it, but it's the, the airport life that has got me not loving the trips. we have a Toronto date yet? Uh, no, but uh, hopefully... Like in pencil, we're looking at August maybe. I feel like I'm living in like Groundhog's Day here. I know. I know. <laughs> you keep asking. We keep asking. Yeah. I keep trying. I don't know. But uh, it's positive. They look positive and they're looking at it as to be one of the biggest markets. And I mean, even this past UFC, talking to, to media and friends from, from all over the world, um, they say Toronto does it right from our. Um, from the new, because they were saying the ceremonial weigh-ins tend to be like no one really goes to them, but Toronto shows up. Open workouts, Toronto shows up. So we have passionate fans, and that's where I think why combat sports. And there's a reason why, you know, UFC really wanted to come to Toronto years ago, and we gave them one of their biggest shows, right? Absolutely. So now um, we need more here. So that's why I think kickboxing is going to be amazing, and hopefully UFC comes a little bit more often as well. So we've got some pretty sh- uh, two more shows coming up this year. One is going to be a, an MMA roundtable. I've got a lot of different uh, folks who cover the sport coming in mm-hmm. next week. I'm going to sit and do a roundtable with them, and then you and nice. I will do our, our year in review Boom. as well as our preview for uh, UFC 232. Jones is back. Yeah, that's, that's exciting. exciting yeah. Cyborg and Nunez. What a fight that's going to be. Yeah, uh, even Nunez putting on some weight. I've seen her yeah, in some back. She looks thick. She looks like she's got some power, but hopefully it doesn't slow her down because I think speed is a big advantage for her in that fight, the, her ability to move in and out. So uh, hopefully she's not too slow. And speaking of Nunes, her fiance Nina Ansarov looked amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. at the. And the I'm Toronto telling you, I've seen Claudia Gadelia training, and uh, she's a beast. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So that that just uh, speaks a lot. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny, uh, and I mentioned this too, uh, Nina. You know, there was a time where after Amanda would win, she'd say, "You're looking at the future champion at strawweight, Nina Ansarov," and uh, everybody was like, "Ah, she's just saying that because they're." Yeah. Uh, 
their partners and is like, no, it's <laughs> actually, she's proving she's it. She's, it's coming it, yeah. to fruition. So good, good for, for them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, that's it for us this week. We'll be back next week to talk. Uh, I don't know if we're going to post the uh, UFC 232 preview or the uh, roundtable. We'll probably post the roundtable uh, next week, and then we'll do the 232 preview the week after. Um, but before we go, of course, Joseph Valtellini on YouTube, latest video on low kick block counter. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one thing to block it, but what happens if someone's block it? Is that the end of the combination? No. So I teach you ways and different ways that I like to go around if someone tries to block your low kick. And so if you're watch uh, it. if you're bored on Christmas Day, 680 Progress Road, bang on the window, Joe That's will uh, let I'll you be in. There. And you got a sparring partner. Boom. That's it. Low kicks. You're gonna eat it. <laughs> well, there it is. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit TSN.ca slash UFC.